do, 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 do. Hello and good evening, everyone. Welcome back to our leftist sports show, Beyond the Red Zone. As, as far as TIR goes, we'll be back live tomorrow doing our Talk to Jason About Anything Holiday Edition show. That's right. Call in and sound off on whatever you'd like to get off on your chest. Get I don't know if I said that right. Get off your chest, not get off on your chest. Oops. Um, just be quick about it because they charge me by the minute. So if you're enjoying what you see here on TIR, please give the show a like. If you haven't already, please hit subscribe and don't forget that notification bell so you know whenever we go live, those passive gestures go a long way. Please welcome my co-host, Mac. Oops. Damn it, MT. <laughs> what up, man? How are you? Uh, I hate myself, so I decided to reread the Jakarta Method this week. Hmm. And uh, while a, an amazing book, and if you're a leftist, I highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very depressing. Uh, very, very depressing. Um, but Jason, if you do want people to get off on your chest, you're using the wrong platform to really get your content out there. There's a few of them now. Um, there's Fansly. You know, we know the big ones only fans. And I mean, honestly, we probably only know about OnlyFans because of George Santos using campaign funds oh, to subscribe to some of his favorite accounts. So, but you know, there's a lot of options out there for you. Uh, if that's your thing. So, I mean, we could talk about sports while, you know, well, do that on OnlyFans. Well, you know. off of my chest. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mac, hold on. Oh, oh, come on, man. <laughs> chest. <laughs> that is maybe the biggest oops I've ever had in the very opening moments of a show, so I apologize to everyone watching. I hope there's no children watching. Yeah, please, please, guys, don't um, don't bring your kids around us. And not because it's a bad thing. We have filthy language, and we talk about MLK and his pog era. Like, that's not what the kids need to hear. Someone, someone said there needs to be an alternate universe TIR Wikipedia of just the side characters, because we created another one in the champagne room last night. Man. Oh, God, who was it? Anti-racist, racist, slick Rick. <laughs> oh, man. You know, geez, we really need one. Oh, gosh. And, and it has to be, like, the first thing that shows up on, like, the YouTube options. Like, if you're going to watch or listen, know these characters. Yeah, know these right? characters because the chat will reference yeah. uh, Pog Champ MLK. <laughs> Oh, another one was um, was uh, Barack Osama bin Laden, Barack Obama bin Laden, because I I got those people confused, so we started doing Barack Obama writing the letter to America. Wow. Well, I mean, honestly, I'm surprised you didn't get a big uptick in like MAGA listeners because I think they're the same guy anyway. It would have been right up the MAGA people's. Dude, they, can they, you, they, they would have been getting off on everybody's chest. Oh, dude, yeah. Oh, gosh. They probably got off on their own. Now, <laughs> the, the sad thing is, is, it's like, I can already see, like, the comment section, or, like, the, the comments on YouTube, like, 
that's right, Osama and Obama are the same person, but why are all these black folks on? I don't care. <laughs> what, what are they so intensely about? <laughs> I'm under the impression there's only supposed to be one. I saw four. <laughs> we went for two and a half hours last night in the champagne oh room. man those are the best too because at a certain point you're getting oh. delirium oh we did again <laughs> when you start creating new characters yeah and uh i was doing raps as uh anti-racist racist slick rick <laughs> oh man um, um we have a lot here to cover on beyond the red zone first i want to do a quick nfl roundup Mac, here we are over halfway through the season, mm-hmm. and usually now we know what teams are serious contenders for playoff berths. Mac, who is in and who is out? Um, let's start with the – hold on, I have a playoff picture right in front of me. Let's start uh, alphabetically with the AFC East. <laughs> or Central, AFC, Cent- AFC North. Yeah, the AFC North, formerly – the division formerly known as the Central before – you know, Houston had to come and fuck everything. <laughs> I mean, we only had the Panthers in the NFC West. The Cowboys were in the East. I mean, like, it made sense. And then Houston's like, oh, let's fix all this stuff. No, um, the North, uh, honestly, I've said it a million times on the show. The North is the toughest division in football right now. Looks like um, it. When you've got a team who can't break 20 points a game in the Steelers that still are somehow above 500 and in the playoff hunt, like that's kind of nuts. Um, the only team I will say, <clears throat> sorry, buddy, that is absolutely cooked right now are the Bengals uh, in that division because you can't lose Joe Burrow and replace him with uh, stiff number one, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and expect to have the same results, you know. So, um, Honestly, Baltimore is probably the best team in this division, but we've all seen, we've all seen what happens to Baltimore in the playoffs. Uh, They do just awful. Um, I don't know what it is. If it's like the bright lights, uh, the, um, you know, the, the expectation to win with such a transcendent quarterback like Lamar Jackson um, but they, you know, they kind of collapse in the playoffs. I like Cleveland, uh, even with DTR back there. I think Cleveland has a shot. I, I'm scared for my Broncos playing Cleveland right now. They're, we're on a bit of a hot streak. The defense is the defensive secondary. Wait a minute, a, a bit week. of a hot streak, my friend. You're on a fucking heater. Like you are. <laughs> Look, just hand after hand at the blackjack table in Vegas right now. You're just cleaning up. I, you know what? In real life, that's happened to me. I walked away with over three thousand dollars killing it yeah but that streak doesn't last forever does it come to an end this weekend in cleveland i know dtr is starting you and i have feelings about dtr as excuse me potentially a very good nfl quarterback i do think out of the guys that came out this last year he to me is one of those we don't see to me. We don't see it as much anymore. A, a very raw talent guy that definitely needs the right situation coaching wise. I don't know if Cleveland is that situation for him, just for the simple fact that it is such a traditional hot seat for quarterbacks. 
the last young person that I've seen thrive in Cleveland's name was Bernie Kosar, and that was 1985, I believe, <laughs> in the supplemental yes. draft when he comes out. So I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know if DTR. I think the fact that he got picked so low, expectations won't be there, so that's going to help him a little bit. Um, and I and I don't think he'll be able to deal with this Denver secondary that again is playing. Denver secondary hasn't played this good since they won the Super Bowl in 2014 yeah the no fly zone secondary and these are guys for the most part they're all no names outside of certain well i guess justin simmons is is very good yeah i mean simmons simmons is a roller coaster ride though i mean when i was writing for brownsnation.com in 2020 Mm -hmm. and denver was just looking to move him i was like the guy that's like dude the browns need to swing a trade to pick him up because at that point their safeties were just ass Mm -hmm. you know and simmons would have been a God, he would have been great in a Jim Schwartz defense. He really would have. Um, but, you know, and, like, the thing is with Simmons, he'll have, like, a good year where it's just like, holy shit, this guy's one of the best safeties in the NFL. And then he follows it up with just an absolute turd burger, you know? And I yeah. I, I hate saying that because he's a lot of fun to watch, very instinctual player. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Denver's defense is playing extremely well right now. Russell Wilson looks like he's kind of, like, shaken off uh, the trauma of last season. Uh, playing for, you know, that awful head coach that they had before they <laughs> swung the trade for Peyton. Um, but no, I mean, Cleveland by far has the best defense in the NFL right now. Miles um, Garrett, if he doesn't win defensive player of the year, uh, that is highway fucking robbery um, because he completely changes the game and how you have to scheme for it and plan for it. Um, and then on top of that, you know, Cleveland's uh, defensive secondary, which used to be, you know, laughable at best, is is arguably one of the best in the NFL right now. If there's a weak link for, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, uh, Cleveland's defense, it's the linebackers, and they're not even that bad. Um, and, you know, I think Stefanski, and you got to you gotta think, the Browns have been dealt a horrible hand in losing Nick Chubb, uh, you know, who is arguably the best running back in the NFL. Um, and I think he is the best running back in the NFL. Yeah, um, I agree. But uh, and then losing your <clears throat> alleged rapist quarterback who is starting to heat up a little bit. And I did say alleged. So, haha, fuck you, Deshaun Watson. You can't sue me. <laughs> um, I mean, he can, you know, have fun with that whole blood from a turnip thing. No shit. Like, you can't get water from a rock, homie. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I can just see the court now. Uh, we're going to garnish your, there's only $14 in your account. <laughs> yes, your honor. Um, Have you fun know, with that. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy, bro. Enjoy. Um, but no, I mean, I think DTR, uh, you know, Stefanski needs to open up the playbook. Cause like I watched the game on Sunday mm-hmm. against the Steelers and it was mostly just, you know, screens and short throws. DTR can get the ball down the field. So yes. you, what you need to do, uh, you know, Cleveland's running the ball very well with Kareem Hunt uh, and uh, the young kid Ford in the backfield. You know, you, you're getting the defense to play in the box. So let him go over the top and throw to Amari Cooper. I mean, there's a reason Cooper's registered like 64,000 yard seasons, right? Like by by football years, he's long in the tooth, but he's still putting numbers up. And he did it. Last year with Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, J- uh, Mark Hoover's legit. 
you know, um, I think Jerry Jones is really probably kicking himself in the ass for, for moving him for a second rounder. Um, cause can you imagine CD lamb and Amari Cooper on the same field right Jesus. now? It's not fair. No, it'd be fucking ridiculous. Um, um, yeah, but yeah, like I, I think Baltimore, I think you'll see Baltimore, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh all come out of the North and make the playoffs. I, I think Baltimore is definitely going to make the playoffs at eight and three right now. I still don't know how I feel about Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's a quality quarterback. He earned those MVPs. That being said, there's something to be said about his game and getting the ball to wide receivers. Yeah. I it, it, really losing, bad. losing Mark Andrews is, is not going to be good. He's going to be, this is exposes his inability to, to throw the ball to wide to the, to the edges. Yeah. He can't do it. <clears throat> and the thing is, he could take a knee and throw the ball 80 yards, but ask him to hit like a eight yard out route. Can't it's do just... it. He's he's his accuracy is odd. <clears throat> you watched him in college. There were certain intermediate throws that he would just be so off on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I right? mean, and that's that's a thing. And it hasn't I... changed in the NFL. No. And I don't understand how, because the dude puts the work in. He yes, he really does. And I just figured that's like maybe that's one of those things that comes with time, right, and mm-hmm. and repetition because that wasn't the offense at Louisville. The offense was predicated on him breaking off big runs, honestly, and throwing a fucking forty-yard pass. How many years did it take Randall Cunningham? Oh yeah. How many years did it take Michael Vick? Yeah, I those guys a long time before they could feel very comfortable in the pocket and just dish the ball around. Randall Cunningham played for a million years. And he got so much better once he hit his mid thirties. Yeah. Honestly, he had, you know, just a. He was kind of like a comet at first, you know. He's like yeah. in Philly, yeah. and he really tapered off at the end of his time in Philly. And then he goes to Minnesota, and yeah, he had Randy Moss and Chris Carter throw too, but that, those weren't exactly, you know, what you would call well-built teams, right? Yeah. But Cunningham changed his game like he knew like i'm a little older i'm not as fast as i used to be i'm not as shifty as i was in the pocket and he could just like you said he throwing dimes all over the field all over the field all over the field and that and he had the same if you watch old cunningham film and watch lamar jackson now they had a lot of the same problems couldn't really hit receivers that well wildly inaccurate a lot of playmaking and not just oh here's back foot bam by the time Cunningham becomes back foot bam guy in 98, they light the league on fire. Yep. Uh, this field goal is what stops them from – I was terrified if the Broncos had to play the Vikings. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, can you uh... – They were a steamroller. Yeah. They were a steamroller. So that's about <laughs> the old school. Uh, the AFC West, the Chiefs lost a yeah. very good game uh, to the Eagles. The Chiefs still look like the class of the West. I don't see anyone swooping in and, and beating them and taking the West. That being said, what's going on with the AFC West? Is anyone else going to come out of the AFC West? In the playoffs? No, I mean, dude, Vegas, I, I like what Antonio Pierce is doing in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just letting him play football. You know, like there's no, this is my system. This is how we're going to do it. Pierce is just like, nah, fuck this, dude. If you have to scratch out plays in the dirt, do it. You know, and I, I think that's important, especially considering when you read about the end of McDaniel's tenure in Vegas, you're just like, Ooh. holy 
fuck, dude, you shit the bed. Oof. Like that man's never getting another head coaching interview again. Um, I dude, no, I, I honestly, after when he's arguing about the Patriot way in Vegas, like no executive is going to be like, so you're really going to back up your former team when you are getting control <laughs> of this team now. It, um, the yeah. Chargers, the Chargers are a joke. Um, why, why? Here's a team with one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the NFL, young mm-hmm. quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, this is actually kind of a renaissance of the quarterback position, I think, in the NFL, as you've mentioned before on this show. Uh, teams are are catering their offenses to the strengths of their young signal callers. Keenan Allen, who's got to be 109 years old. Um, I feel yeah. like he was at Cal right after Marshawn Lynch. No shit. And the thing is, it's like he's still steady, and you have Eckler. Yes. Yes. Austin Eckler's still there. And then when you look on the defensive side of the ball, like, why is this a bad team? I will tell you why. Mm. Their offensive line isn't that great. Mm-hmm. Their depth isn't that great. And Brandon Staley can't coach. Ooh, well, tell me how you really feel. Well, dude, I just don't understand <clears throat> um, how you can have that much talent. Yeah, there's some deficiencies there on, on the roster, right? Mm-hmm. But – it's a it's a pretty talented team. Like if if I'm getting my first head coaching job, fuck, I will take the Chargers gig. I really I'd fucking do it in a heartbeat. One, I'm in LA and the weather's nice. <laughs> Two, um, you know, like I have some talent. You have booking talent on offense. Yes, yes, and even with Khalil Mack kind of like on the downside of his career, he's still a guy that can get you eight to nine sacks a year. He plays yeah. the run pretty well. Yeah. Um and. Then you have, you know, Joey Bosa on the other side. Like, what the? F- Again, you have uh, uh, James uh, and safety. You have, you have a qual- you have quality players in in integral positions, right? Quarterback, your receiving core is strong. You have a running back who's like uh, a utility knife. Yeah, and you have a guy who got hired on his defensive chops. And with he, one of the with with two pass rushing bookends, and Derwin and a, James and a pretty yeah. decent set, and he can't win with it, and it's because he cannot, he cannot coach, he can't fucking do it, um, and like I think he's gonna be one of the guys that gets shit canned this year. Does I Antonio, really do. about about the Las Vegas Raiders? I hate saying Las Vegas Raiders, by the way. Well, I mean, I hope you're ready for the Las Vegas A's, because outside of one challenge by yeah, the okay. By yeah, the like the the yeah. what what's the the Clark County Teachers Union? I hope it, they step up Clark County. They are suing. I stand with the teachers. Yes, that's right. They're suing to keep uh, the A's out because uh, Clark County has continually cut like funding for education, but they found money to build a stadium. So the teachers are like that needs nah. to be a whole episode right there. Yeah, um, it really does. The the A's. So I'm from the East Bay of the Bay Area. So that's where Oakland is, right? I was born in Oakland. I grew up in a city called Richmond, California. And in the mid to late 80s, my mom dated a guy from San Francisco, and he was a Giants fan that would, like, record the Giants games and rewatch them. And I just thought the Giants colors were better. So as a kid, I was like, okay, I'll be a Giants fan. I just I, I deal with less shit from this. Nigga in the house, if I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Giants fan too, right? And so, uh, 
You could get free A's tickets if you read books at the library where I'm from in Richmond. If you read so many books and gave oh, a shit. shit. Yeah, yeah, they'd give you because they would give A's tickets away. Then them niggas got good. Sorry, I keep cursing. Then them cats got good. Yeah, I was <laughs> McGuire, gonna say McGuire, Canseco, the Dave Stewart, Bob Welch, Dennis Eckersley. I mean, the only two black guys on that squad, Jason, were Ricky and Dave Stewart. Ricky, no, no, Dave Parker. Oh, Parker was there too. Yeah, right, Carly right. Lansford. The A's had squad one through yeah. eight. You, they was finna dominate. They had a, t- a pretty solid uh, top five pitching staff. Oh, easily, yeah. Uh, with with Stewart and Welch right there. One, those are the only two pitchers that pitched in that World Series. <laughs> Dude, and you know what's funny is the Bay Area World Series. I was there visiting my dad in '89. Yeah, and we were leaving Candlestick when the earthquake happened. Jesus. It, and it, we got it, stuck on the bridge. It, we got stuck right before getting onto the bridge. Oh, and I'm like, I think nine, eight. I was eight. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I've been in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Why earthquakes? No, yeah. this is horrible. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it was it was still one of the most frightening. I still if there have been a few earthquakes since I've been here and in mexico and and i'm like oh, yeah because the infrastructure is way less sound than it was back then but because of long story short because i was the giants fan on the block and everybody else was an a's fan when that 89 bay ridge series happened which i thought was the coolest thing in the world because i was a huge will clark fan man i still get teased about that <laughs> <laughs> Say <laughs> we beat your ass with two pitchers. Remember that? <laughs> oh man! Fat ass Rick Russell getting rocked. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever seen an angrier pitcher than Dave Stewart. Really. Dave Stewart was a fucking beast. That yeah. A squad was one of the most frightening squads. You can say steroids, whatever you want to say. I don't care. That squad was beastly. Look at everybody on that squad and tell me Stewart and Bob Welsh wasn't juicy. Oh, dude. I mean, that's a thing. Like, I don't know. Dave Stewart just strikes me as a as a man <laughs> who will terrify you just by looking at you. Like Until he talks. Oh, like yeah. Michael Jackson. You know, he Stewart would he he get on the mound, he's just like and like you oh. said at post game interview. Yeah, you know, I pitched pretty well. Um, <laughs> Everything was working for me. Uh, kind of yeah. had that cutter working. Uh, really, really able to get the corners. Uh, Kurt was working. working. Uh, Mike Gallego, uh, you know, he framed the uh, zone pretty well today. It was a, it was a, it was a good game. Called a good game. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, 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 the A's could leave, and I'm not gonna cry about the motherfuckers. But uh, I, I, I would like the, something to stay in Oakland. Uh, but I want Antonio Pierce to be the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. I love what he's doing over there. These guys actually look happy to oh, yeah. play again for the first time. When you um, look, when you look at the body language of players, like the <laughs> McDaniel's last game, everybody on the sidelines just like, <laughs> you know, and then. First game, Pierce is in charge of they win, and they're just like throwing a party in the locker room. Like that's that's a sea change, man. And that comes like I mean, Antonio Pierce was even like, yeah, I'm overmatched. 
I've been a position coach, you know, he's like, but I played football for a long time. Yeah. And at a high level. Yeah. You know, and he's, he's just like, I, I know what the, the, the conditions that needed to be set for me to play well. He's like, we didn't have him here. So I set the conditions and he's like, I'll figure out the rest, you know, and if I keep the job, I keep the job. If not, this consider this uh, like an audition for whatever else, you know, whatever is the fall. Wh- whoever, whoever, if the Raiders lose him, someone's getting a quality. I don't know if he's going to go right into head coaching. He might be a coordinator. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it would serve him well to be a defensive coordinator a couple years, you know, like it, it really would. Um, it, I kind of equate it to kind of like um, D'Amico Luke, Ryan's. Luke Fickle. Okay. Right. Like Fickle takes over in that interim year between <laughs> Trestle and Urban Meyer. And he learned a lot, you know, and you got to think he was only a defensive coordinator for two years before that he was a defensive line coach, mm-hmm. you know? So like dude just kind of like showed he had some coaching chops and then, you know, tattoo gate happens, Trestle steps down and they're just like, well, we can't really hire anybody right now. Hey, Luke, how about you do this? And he's just like handed a shit sandwich. And he's just like, <laughs> well, I guess I'll take a bite. You know, and he's like, <laughs> you know, and he, he I, all the credit in the world, he got him to a bowl game. They lost. They finished six and seven that year. But, you know, like that's that's a small miracle. And then he stays on staff with Meyer for a couple of years. And then what's he do? Completely rebuild Cincinnati. And before he leaves to take a power five job, you know, has this huge influx of cash that's going to change Cincinnati's football program with like an indoor practice facility, like a big kind of like field house type thing where every team will get to use it. You know, like, honestly, if you are a Bearcats fan, I would be going to the university president and be like, Hey, some of that money you're going to waste, you might as well build a statue of fickle right out front of the fucking stadium. (laughs) You know, like I don't see the issue there, you know, but you know, I mean, the AFC West, no one's going to take it other than... No one's going to take it. Kansas City may be going through some growing pains right now. Growing uh, pains? They're going through subtraction pains. The fact of the matter is they lost Tyreek Hill and did not replace him. Andy Reid has a tendency to not really care about the wide receiver position that much. Uh, well, he's wrong now. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I feel very justified in saying that considering how the game ended this past week. All those drop passes and then... Fucker stone hands an easy touchdown catch that would have won the game, you know. Like, and you if you've got like you you cannot waste a year with Patrick Mahomes. You cannot do it, right? That means Nicole Hardman, Tony. These should not be your fucking starting wide receivers. These guys should be filler at the end of your bench. <sighs> remember, remember Freddie Jackson, Fred oh, X. Oh yeah, oh Freddie. <laughs> Until Terrell Owens comes there, that's when they go to a Super Bowl. Yeah, you have to have people to catch the ball. And, yeah, you guys are absolutely right. Reed got away from running the ball, and that's sad because Isaiah Pacheco, I think, has shown he can be an outstanding RB1. Um, And if you have that and you've got a bunch of stone-handed fucking idiots on the outside, run the ball or find a way to get the ball into Pacheco's hands, whether it's screens or jet sweeps, whatever the fuck, right? Like Andy Reid, pull some Wazoo stuff out. You know, Kelsey's kind of struggling, which sucks because that's Mahomes' outlet, right? When things aren't good on the outside, he he knows that I can get the ball to Travis Kelsey. Or as my daughter calls him, 
Mr. Swift. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but uh, oh, dude, my daughter's been on a heater, man. Like my ex loves, you know, Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids are indigenous and, you know, we were hanging out today. My ex was like, are you excited about tomorrow? Bailey goes, no, I'm not. I'm not excited about the colonizers holiday. <laughs> and my ex is just like, what the f- what? She's like, yeah, the food's not that great. Turkey sucks. And uh, we shouldn't be thankful that a bunch of white people came over and killed us with smallpox blankets. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah, she was off, right? Like, just, I, I'm sitting there, like, proud as shit. I'm like, right? And then she's like, you know, we live in North Carolina where there, we have all these people talking, build the wall, build the wall. And she's like, the only people that probably should have built a wall we're native people we're native here people, to yeah. keep all the white people out. The wall you know? at Jamestown. Yeah. <laughs> the wall at Plymouth, Massachusetts. <laughs> well, let's let's move on from the AFC West. The AFC South. I think the Texans are an adorable story. I don't know if they can hold up in the dog days of winter. The Jacksonville Jaguars have been to the playoffs. The Jacksonville Jaguars are an interesting team because there's moments where you see them and you're like, I think these guys are a legitimate. They're no longer that young upstart team. Yeah. They could be a legitimate playoff team. And then you see that game against the Niners and you're like, whoa. Yeah. It, it, it reminds me of the squad that had the two tone helmets. You know how it was black in the front and then went into gold <laughs> in the back and they were just dog shit <laughs> yes. right after Shad Khan bought him. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my stamp on this team. We're going to get, the ugliest uniforms in the <laughs> That's how you do it. Yeah. And then he put Blaine Gabbard under center. Um, you yeah. know, like I it just it kills me because you're like, man, sometimes Trevor Lawrence, I just watch him throw and I'm just entranced. I'm like, wow, man. Not only is that ball pretty, but do you see the the hair waving? It's <laughs> picturesque. He's you know, a legitimate, he's, he's a legitimate good leader. Him. I watched him and Tua play in that championship. Was that 2014? No, 2015. Remember, 14 was the year Ohio State won it. Okay, whatever year. I can't remember the year of that championship. I watched that game because I was working it. And I remember thinking, both of these guys are going to play on Sunday. And it's going to be such an exciting NFL when they get into it. And damn it, if both these guys aren't playing on Sunday, damn it, if they're not part of two very exciting offenses. Um. I like Jacksonville. I really do. They're a fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. I, I think Houston's funner to watch, though. I, as an Ohio State fan. Jay and- Stroud has blown my mind. You know that I cannot stand Ohio State QBs. I feel like they throw to the biggest windows, and they get to the NFL, and those windows shrink, and so do they. <laughs> Jay Stroud. Looks so much better in the NFL. Listen, than he did in college. He's my game isn't too big for him. He's my big special boy. I love (laughs) and you know it's hate week this week because Saturday we got yeah we got the game against Scum yeah and uh, you know Ohio State fans hate C.J. Stroud because he dropped two you know two games against Michigan. Um, and I'm like, dude, we have seen. 
Oh, virtuoso! I am a Stroud boy. I... <laughs> Stroud boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am. I, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get Fred Perry collared shirts made with CJ's. <laughs> CJ's drum CJ's, CJ's picture, you know, embroidered right there. Um, but I mean, we we got to see, honestly, a once in a lifetime quarterback. And yeah, he threw in a big windows because Ohio State has the best quarterback or a wide receiver room in the country. Nobody comes close by far. Um, But you knew CJ wasn't going to have the bodies he threw to it in Columbus when he when he went to the pros, whether it was Carolina or Houston. Right. But CJ can put the ball anywhere he wants whenever he wants. Mm. Period. Now, last week we saw him throw three picks because he he's he got a little cute, but you know what? I'm okay with it. And the only people bitching about CJ Stroud throwing three interceptions are the awful fan base that is Ohio State fans. <laughs> By and, awful, you mean racist? Yeah, and and the racist people that are like, yeah. I mean, Brett Favre was a gunslinger, but C.J. Stroud, mm-mm, that guy's a bum. You know, and it's like, it's like, hey, man, we know why you're saying this. Yeah. So it's, just go look, ahead. I go see your racism. Say it. Go ahead I, and say it. I, I, I see your racism, and I just don't give a shit because yep. C.J. Stroud is that good. Because I'm a Stroud boy. He's, okay, I'm a Stroud boy. He's a rookie. He's going to make rookie mistakes. I'm okay with that because it's just going to get better with time. The Texans finally have a fun-to-watch young team. Depending on what they do next year in the draft and free agency, they're just going to get better. Now, the AFC East, for decades, we've said it's the Patriots' division to lose. Well, the Patriots are done. The whoa, Miami- whoa, whoa, we're not done. We're not done yet. And you want to know why we're not done? We haven't lost the rest of the games. So we can get Caleb Williams in the draft next year. Okay, so season's not over for me. I, As bet, a Pats you, fan, I, don't, I bet you that you look, Mac. I love you like a play cousin, but we have to be real honest with how racist that whole New England area is. Oh, I'm aware. And Caleb Williams, I, I hope Jim Plunkett is calling him right now, going, "Uh, hey there, young fella." <laughs> hey, sport. Jim Plunkett here. Jim Plunkett uh, here. <laughs> just want I, you to know, stay the fuck out of Fox Sports. I know okay. you may be thinking about going with the Patriots for all the money, but. <laughs> I mean, dude, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this as a Pats fan. I, this is Belichick's last year there. Yeah. Um, And I don't think it comes down to craft like hiring a, like a GM. I think like there's three teams that have been leaked uh, that want to swing a trade for Belichick with the commanders being one of them. And did you hear, did you hear about the other one? Uh, no. One was the Raiders because Tom Brady wants to. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you you cannot have a boring team in Vegas, like you're just not allowed, right? Like that goes against the ethos of the city. And there is no more boring man on the planet than Bill Belichick. Um, but but let me ask you this: I don't think Aiden O'Connell is the answer in Las Vegas, oh, and, and I think he knows that, right? There's a there's a good amount of quarterbacks that should be coming out this year. Vegas, depending on where they finish, could possibly land someone like Bo Nix. Dude, I'll even take Bo Nix in New England, man. Just give me a QB that can throw the ball downfield. 
Ooh, um, man, if Bo Nix went to New England, because the one thing that uh, what's his name can't do is move. It's because he's gun shy. <laughs> Mac Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Like Mac Jones doing the gritty and all that stuff. Everybody thought was so cute. Mac Jones right now looks like a Pop Warner player. New England. Bro, Mac Jones looks like a World War One veteran in the trenches of Verdun right now. Just. <laughs> Just hear Metallica one playing whenever he gets under center. <laughs> yeah. But let's talk about the important teams in the East because the Patriots are not it. The Miami Dolphins, once again, are one of the most exciting teams to watch. Tyreek Hill continues to be maybe the most exciting receiver we've seen yeah, since Randy Moss. <sighs> You know who they remind me of? And you're going to say, Jason, you're stupid. Remember the run and shoot Houston Oilers? Mm-hmm. That's who they remind me of. Watching Tua play with these guys kind of remind. I, he doesn't throw a pretty ball like Warren Moon. Jesus Christ, Warren Moon. Threw him okay, well, when Warren Moon didn't throw the ball, he just flicked a wrist. Oh. <laughs> Oh my God! Warren yeah. moved through one of those pretty spirals in, in the history of the game. Fucking, um, here, hey, well, if any, if Warren Moon, if you're listening, we love you. We are we are Warren Moon fans. So I am Warren Moon is like I love the Bad Brains. They're like one of those bands that let me know like it's okay to be a black dude and play this crazy music. Warren Moon is that dude. that's like you can totally play quarterback. You're fine. Yeah, <laughs> you're fine. You don't need to do it. all this other stuff. All this new thing, newfangled running these fellows are doing. You don't need to if you don't want to. Yeah, I mean, dude, let's let's face it though. The Dolphins have beat the teams they're supposed to. Yeah, and have really struggled against like the upper crust, right? Now, oh God, it did circle back to the Patriots, and I apologize everybody for that. But that game against New England, where New England took Hill and Waddle completely out of the situation, um, kind of gave every other team a blueprint on what they have to do to kind of slow them down. And what is that? Um, honestly, you play deep zone, right? You keep your corners up on on uh, Hill and Waddle, kind of, you know, I don't want to say bump and run because that's a very antiquated defense, but you kind of tie them up at the line of scrimmage. Don't let them get that kind of, you know, steam going because let's face it, Waddle and Hill are both burners. Burners. Right? But then you have your safeties playing deep. To kind of add, you know, to, to give your corners a little help. Now, it does leave the middle of the field open for running, which is how, you know, Miami beat New England that game. Mostert just went off. Um, and can we just talk about, like, Raheem Mostert was an afterthought his first five years, gets to fucking mm-hmm. San Fran, and now is literally a top 10 back. Like, I Easy. love it for that guy. Love it for Easy. that guy. And, and he's up there in age, too. So, yeah. Another, the Dolphins in the East are a fun team to watch. The Jets, sadly, we're we're seeing the end of the Zach Wilson era in I, New York. What what was it like three episodes ago? I told you guys Zach Wilson is not your dude, and this is coming off of like that that like three game stretch where he played okay, yeah. you know, like he didn't turn the ball over. But I was like, he's not it. This guy is not going to get the Jets over the hump, right? And you're wasting another year of a pretty good defensive team that has. Uh, you know, with with uh, Bryce Hall at running back. I mean, their offensive line is horrible right now. 
Like they've used 37 different combinations on the offensive line this year, right? Was it all Zach Wilson? I mean, Wilson's just not good either. Like you cannot, this is what kills me. I need NFL GMs to stop drafting guys after one good year of college football. Mitchell Trubisky, case in point, only started one year, 13 games. And it's just a a very highly picked serviceable backup who honestly should be starting in Pittsburgh right now over Kenny Pickett because Kenny Pickett has literally set the NFL record for the worst touchdown percentage at 1.9%. No other quarterback in the NFL history is below two. Jesus. Okay. Um, But, you know, like Wilson had one good year. And that was BYU's independent years where they were playing, you know, CUSA teams. You know, uh, I think they had a couple MAC teams on the schedule. Like the only rough game they played was the Holy War, you know, against Utah. Yeah. That yeah. was it. They weren't lining up teams to to fucking pad their schedule. Um, soccer pizza. I'm going to tell you right now, for me, you need two good seasons. I need to see 26 games you know, a film because that way I, I, I'm going to see every one of your tendencies. Right? And I can see you improve. Yeah. You know, like Trubitsky, like that kid, I feel bad bagging on him, Jason. I really do, but he should have never been a first rounder. Right. Just no, no, because you, you weren't going to see an improvement. This was the first time anybody had seen him. You know, he played in a very pass happy offense in Carolina and you know he threw a lot because Carolina's defense is what we like to call butt cheeks so <laughs> they played behind a lot so it was a lot of slinging a football mm-hmm. you know so he's going to have stats you know and he's playing against ACC teams and at you know at that point where when Trubisky was in college all the ACC really had was Clemson you know Florida State was Florida State under you know Willie Taggart uh, Miami wasn't that great. You know, David Cutcliffe was winning like nine or, you know, eight or nine games at Duke. It, I mean, the ACC wasn't a decent conference. So, you know, you're going to put numbers up like that. And I just, I give me two good years, man. You know, give me two good years. And they don't have to be like Caleb Williams last season, you know, where he's throwing for like 4,300 yards and a million <laughs> touchdowns, you know, like just give me 3,500 yards. Let me see you make your progressions. Let me... Let me see you hit the, you know, those out routes to the sidelines, you know? Um, So I can see kind of like how you've grown as a QB. I can't do that in one year of game film, but NFL GMs just see, Oh my God, he's six, four. Oh, he's 225. Oh, he can move in the pocket. Yeah. That'll definitely transfer to the NFL. Um, Not all the time, bro. Not all the time. I'm sorry. And not when these guys look, if you're, if you're drafting first, that means your team has a lot of deficiencies and it's hard. Um, Real quick, bills and Colts. Will they be playoff teams? Neither of them. Really? No, Josh Allen is seven games straight with at least one pick. Um, I don't know what happened to Buffalo. No idea what happened to Buffalo. That team has got so much talent and they are like, you know, they're just not playing to their potential. You don't think they're a wild card team? Dude, with, I think, three teams coming out of the north, it's going to bump, you know, most likely Buffalo or Indy or both out, depending on how the season falls, you know. Um, 
honestly, Indy doesn't need to be in the playoffs. You, what you do is, like, why would you? And this is what kills me, mm-hmm. Indy. Why would you want to get in mm-hmm. at nine and eight, just to say you got knocked out in the wild card round, and then your draft pick is what, low teens, early twenties? Mm-hmm. You know, like you you need them. You, you honestly need more talent. Uh, to support Anthony Richardson when he comes back from his injury. And on top of that, I would be breaking the bank <laughs> to to pay, you know, for an offensive line that is going to keep Richardson upright. And then mm-hmm. during OTAs, I'm going up to Richardson. I'm like, I swear to God, motherfucker, if you don't learn how to slide, I'm going <laughs> to kill you. <laughs> You know, like they have some interesting pieces there. I love Pittman at receiver. Oh, dude, I love Pittman too. Oh, I love the running back Taylor. Um, I, I definitely think there's some pieces there in Indianapolis that are going to help Richardson, and they might be a fun team to watch. Moving on to the NFC, the NFC looks like it's dominated by the teams that are leading in the West, North, and East divisions. If you start in the NFC East, the Eagles are really fun to watch. Uh, they're not blowing everybody out, but... It's a lot different from last year, isn't it? It's a lot different from last year. That being said, I think we're watching this the maturation of Jalen Hurts, and I think that's why it's a little different. So the fact that you're watching this young man get more comfortable in the pocket, I hate people that say he needs to run more. It's like, why do you want to cut his shelf life down? So that's the same way I feel about Lamar. Why do you want this man to have less tools in his toolbox, which is so important for a quarterback? And you want to just shorten his shelf life to the point where he's got a couple more years left because his knees are going to be bad. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we know why. Racism. (laughs) Um, Like watching those two guys play, you're seeing these kind of almost polar opposites where in in Philadelphia there's a team that's like, look, you running the ball is the only thing we got going for us. He runs the ball so much, he's breaking records like all these young guys do coming out, right? But they put pieces around him, and these pieces are thriving. Oh, AJ, uh, the A.J. Brown trade was... That is right? the complete opposite of what you see in Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, have we? can we honestly say in Baltimore, John Harbaugh has... Oh, and also fuck the Harbaugh brothers. <laughs> then there's that. One more than the other. But um, no, uh, it, it's like a place where wide receivers go to die. Die. Um, and I don't know if that's a facet of coaching or if they just draft the wrong guys. You know, like Hollywood Brown. He's more uh, like he's on the smaller side, you mm-hmm. know. They draft him. He kind of flames out. He goes to Arizona and actually, I mean, he's not lighting the world on fire, but he's putting up numbers. Which well, because Kyler Murray is going to get the ball downfield. Well, you got to think, he doesn't play with Kyler Murray much. Uh, I, you know, I watched some, because I can't watch all the NFL games here. I watched some of the highlights. And the NFL does a great job of showing, like, kind of integral parts of the game, not just scores. Yeah. Kyler Murray, to me, is still one of the more fun quarterbacks to watch because he is vertically challenged and it isn't stopping him from getting the ball 
where it needs to be. He's got crazy anticipation. Yeah, and they do a good job of of getting him out of center. Like, you yeah. know, they have him in shotgun, and he, he does a lot of rollout, which is yeah. important. I mean, Drew Brees did a lot of the same things. He played from the shotgun. He knew how to, like, step up in the pocket to buy himself extra time. And, you know, New Orleans had a really specialized blocking scheme uh, where if you ever watched the New Orleans game, mm-hmm. they they had wide splits, like really wide splits on the offensive line to make sure he had lanes where he could see where the wideouts were, which very smart, right? Now, you can't do that in Arizona right now because that team is just very talent efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I don't know if Arizona doubles down on Murray, considering they got a whole new front office. They got a new head coach. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think it's great that he's back. I'm glad he's healthy. Um, you know, ACL injuries are not fun to recover from. I've had two. Um, and he's and, moving, he's moving. Yeah. He, I, I don't know how much speed he lost. I don't think he's lost any, but if they say, okay, we're done with you. We're moving on. We want to get Caleb Williams because he's a much taller, tougher version of you. I shouldn't say tougher. He's just taller. Um, yeah, I was going to say there's going to be people on Twitter that just kill us later. <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't say, yeah. Caleb I, I, Williams I, tougher? You didn't see him crying with his mom? Yeah, ah. That doesn't mean he's a fucking – he can't take a hit. Caleb Williams, look. He's been taking hits We're going to talk year. about college football. We're going to talk about college football. That Caleb Williams is – you go watch a UFC game. A USC game, not UFC. Go watch a USC game, and you tell me, you look me in my eye, and you tell me Caleb Williams isn't. And same thing goes for Shador Sanders. Both of these kids play with horrible <laughs> offensive lines. Oh, God, so bad. And the thing is, Colorado, I get it. Not exactly a football powerhouse. Boulder, pretty city, but, I mean, if I'm mm-hmm. a offensive lineman, not going there. USC, though. I'm in fucking L.A., Again, the weather's great. How many Hall of Fame offensive linemen are part of the USC family? Arguably the best <laughs> offensive lineman ever to put pads on, Anthony Munoz, went to USC, right? They've had amazing talent come from there. You think that talent would be banging down the door. And the thing is, Riley could literally just recruit Southern California and have a top five offensive line. How is it so bad? Like, and this is what everybody's like, well, you know, Caleb Williams didn't have the same season he had last year. Well, yeah, he's literally been running for his life the entire season. Every game against San Jose State. Hey, he's don't sleep for his life. Don't sleep on the Spartans, all right? <laughs> I've watching look what they're bowl eligible. Watching Caleb Williams play, you look you're looking at a guy and you go, look, if you go to a bad NFL team, you're already ready to go. Number one, <laughs> you know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, number two, I love quarterbacks that are like top rated guys that play on trash teams because the way they handle losing is a little different. Yeah. Like when you get, again, back to the Ohio State thing, when you have, let's look at Bryce Young. Bryce Young doesn't know what losing is like. He's been a winner since Pop Warner. He plays at a very high level, but he's on a team. That, as Max says, is talent deficient. And you look at him, you look at him in the eye, and he's just he doesn't he, he doesn't want to be there. I'm gonna tell you right now, I watch a lot of Panthers games because I live in this godforsaken state. <laughs> he's gun shy right now, very gun shy. He's getting destroyed in the pocket. Yeah, 
And the thing is, he's trying to sit in the pocket, you know, and, and deliver throws the best he can. But I'm going to tell you right now, the Panthers fuck themselves. And I'm just going to put it out there bluntly like that by moving DJ Moore. Oof. And the number one, their, you know, their, their number one pick to move up to take Young. Mm-hmm. Because you want, a, for especially for young quarterback, you want somebody that is going to catch the ball when you throw it to him or in the vicinity of him. DJ Moore's that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Adam Thielen is your number one receiver, bro, you're in a bad way. <laughs> and I'm not trying to knock Adam Thielen. He mm-hmm. had a good five year run. Yeah. You know, playing next to Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Before he got moved out to Buffalo, mm-hmm. Thielen is not a, a number one guy or number two guy anymore. He should be playing out of the slot on a team, you know, like on a team like Philly. Oof. He should that not. Fair. That wouldn't even be fair. I know. I know. Um, can you imagine like Adam Thielen out of the slot, man? Fuck you. Oh, my you know? goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but, Jalen Hurst doesn't run anymore. Why would he have to? Yeah. You know, but like he's the number one receiver on the Panthers. And I give Thielen a lot of credit because uh, last weekend, you know, uh, Young just completely missed the throw. Mm-hmm. And Thielen's like just took him off to the side on the sidelines and like walked him through the actual route tree for that play. Right. So you got like an extra coach in Thielen, and that's great. That's all well and good. Like you want those guys, those veteran mentors for young players. Right. But like, and I, I hate to say this young, I don't think pans out and it's not a knock against him. Not everybody can play professional football at a high level. You know, there's a reason there's only 32 fucking teams, <laughs> you know? Um, but he's doesn't have the build to put up with the beating he's going to take in Carolina and getting back to your point, Jason, you're absolutely right. Dude's just been fucking killing it since Pop Warner, right? Dropping dimes, winning titles. Mm. He's mm. probably got a bag full of rings at home. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Like, how is he going to deal with the constant losing that he's going to deal with in Carolina? Because this team is nowhere ready to compete for a fucking wild card slot, let alone winning a championship. The I mean, league is the, the league is different. Sorry to cut you off. The league, in my opinion, has changed. Where if you had someone that had potential, you 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 kick the tires on them. And the way people have kind of treated Sam Darnold, you didn't have to me. Don't trade more. Um, you know, keep. You got Darnold. You got more. Darnold is only what twenty seven, twenty six. You that know. Old. You know what, man? I'm going to figure out a way for you and <laughs> Sam to meet. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's it's my life's work now. It's my goal. Sam, Sam, look, the Niners have a great fucking safety valve right there. The Niners are like, we have a quality backup, which a lot of teams can't say. So yeah. if little ass Brock Purdy gets hurt again, we're not going to be rolling out people that we found on the street yesterday. Well, all I know is uh, Joe Flacco is currently employed in the NFL again. So uh, if Joe Flacco's got a job. And Cam Newton doesn't. 
or even Kaepernick. Even Kaepernick doesn't. Fucking roll the dice on Cam or Cap. Or, dude, I'll even take some of these D2 guys that maybe didn't have the academic chops to play in the big leagues, but I'm not rolling out Joe Flacco. Like, and you know that's how they're going to have to get him on the field. Like, they'll put him on a dock <laughs> and, and roll him out and kind of. Watching and, Joe Flacco for the Broncos, I went to the opening game at, in Oakland that year. And watching Joe Flacco for the Broncos was, I almost got in a fight. God, he's he's ass. Oh, oh God, dude. It was it was rough. I've never I, seen a man more uncomfortable in the pocket than Joe Flacco. Especially a man that lives, made his living in the pocket yeah. for a gajillion years. What a title in the pocket. I've only seen one other person more terrified to be in the pocket, and that was Daniel Jones. And it perfectly sums up his, Daniel Jones' entire career thus far, NFL Network focuses in on Daniel Jones in the shotgun and he's making his read and you just see him mouth oh shit that's all he says and you see it plain as day and then he gets the ball snapped to him and immediately gets crushed <laughs> so, was that right? the, giant, the Cowboys game <laughs> Michael Parsons. he's just like oh shit that and, and like, is not real yeah and the thing is it's like on sports center they're like we can't say what he said but we all know what he said. <laughs> Daniel you know, Jones like, is what you're saying. To me, what you're saying about Daniel Jones right now, which is true, we've seen quarterbacks get destroyed. Um, to me is what you're saying about Bryce Young. This dude is getting pummeled in a way that he's never gotten. That doesn't sound that's almost as bad as getting off on my chest. <laughs> I mean, he could be he could be on your OnlyFans. <laughs> Everybody, get off on my chest. <laughs> Oh, hey, Bryce Young, how are you, man? <laughs> Bryce Young is getting destroyed. So are the Eagles the class of the NFC East? Can the Cowboys swoop in and win the division, or do you think the Eagles end the year at 16-1? Dude, the, the Eagles are just – that's too good of a team, man. That is too good of a team. And the thing is they're they're finding new and creative ways to win every week. Like this is a defense that should only be – allowing the points that the Browns defense are allowing. But like last week they let like 30 something points and still pulled it out. Like whether you like oh, W is a W, whether you're blowing a team out or you're winning ugly by two points, like all you got to do is get W's on the board, man. And on top of that, you know, the, the Eagles are a team that just continually drafts so smart and they are ridiculous. That general manager they have getting in and out of the first round to continue restocking every position mm-hmm. with first round talent like it that's not even fair um and i really like sirianni um i, I really like nick sirianni one he played football at mount union which is mm-hmm. a d3 mm-hmm. football powerhouse um and when i say d3 football powerhouse they won 13 straight national titles at one point that like that's definitely. absolutely fucking ridiculous Try getting you know? off on their chest Yes, they <laughs> not gonna have it. Okay, Pur- purple raiders don't have people get off on their chest. They get off on your <laughs> chest. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> they sh- they should really hire us for the marketing. There. Jesus. Um, the purple raiders. That's right. We're getting, getting off on your yeah. chest. Um, <laughs> just have somebody else skate in the background. You know, um. No, but like Sirianni's a great coach. Um, you know, it's it's 
something else, man. Um, you know, it's a, it's a good team. And it, honestly, the, the Eagles, uh, I think, just crushed the East. I think, and, and Andrew, I'm with you. The Lions, I think, crushed the North. I want to go straight uh, to the Lions because I was, I was yeah. on Majority Report this morning uh, talking to Emma Viglin, and they were like, they warned me because I was having like technical problems. They're like, Jason, if you talk about sports, we're going to lose half of our viewers. And I was like, fuck that. I was like, are you serious? They're like, yeah, so don't, don't, don't do it. And so um, Toussaint had gave me fashion tips for the show for my appearance, right? And so my jacket is a Broncos jacket, and Emma was talking about it or something. We said something about the Broncos, and I was like, Emma, can you please admit that Jared Goff is a quality NFL quarterback? And all of her East Coast comes out of her. You know, she's like, you can hear all that fucking, uh, I think she's from Jersey, like that accent. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, hell no. He's a, he's a middle tier guy. He's a middle tier. He's middle tier. And I'm like, what? Says the Giants fan with her next door neighbor playing you know, <laughs> starting quarterback for fucking the Giants right now. Tony D'Amico. DeVito kid. Over there. The DeVito kid. No. Jared Goff is, people don't like to say this about Jared Goff. My, my, I don't think I said a million times, my daughter played against him in high school. It was like, this dude was playing like a grown man back then. And you saw him at Cal with an okay Cal team. You see him in LA take a pretty good Rams team to the Super Bowl, a very unexciting Super Bowl. Oh, one of the most boring Super Bowls ever. Ever. Like, experience. Ever. He was young. He was, what, in his third season? I believe so, yes. You see him now. He's still under 30. Yeah, he looks more comfortable than he did. Oh, my God. For him to look more comfortable in Detroit. And Detroit, again, this goes to my point of don't just kick the tires on a guy. See what he's got. When he first got to Detroit, he wasn't lighting the world on fire. But you know you have a guy that seems like he really wants to be a leader. And... No one's really complained about him at every level of his play. No one complained about him at Cal. He didn't really see people complain about him in L.A. Uh, the only the only one that did was Sean, Sean McVay. McVay. <laughs> Why don't you like him, Sean McVay? <laughs> it's because Sean McVay was only a couple years older than him. Maybe that's why. You know, I think why? Because I think Sean McVay's girlfriend was like, "Who's that golf guy?" Mm. I don't know he's some Christian mm. punk. I don't know. <laughs> hey. Hey, don't talk to that blonde-headed fuck. Hey, you know what? Calls the boss. Hey, get him out of here. I'm done with him. You know what? I need, a, I need an old, I need an old guy who's gonna, who's broken his neck three times. <laughs> Give me Stafford, okay? I'll show you. I want Jared. I want a Super Bowl. I'm, guy. I'm a Broncos fan, and I always want my team to go to the Super Bowl. But realistically, I would love to watch the Detroit Lions for the first time in their history go to the Super Bowl with this guy that everybody says is trash. And when people say he's a system guy, I'm like, look, show me a system where you just threw anyone in and they thrived to this level. Because yeah, I mean, I think Dan Campbell, Jason, is the key to all this. You know, you got to think his first crack at being a head coach was interim in Miami yeah. on a really bad team. And he had those guys. I think they went five and two down the stretch when he was the interim. Um, almost got him in the playoffs. And he doesn't even get like the, he, it's not there's no consideration of him being the full time guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, 
this team is just a reflection of his personality and as cheesy as it is, you know, he Campbell's a really raw, raw guy. And that makes sense considering he's an A&M alum. Um, you know, they're all in that 12th man <laughs> bullshit. I mean, I get it. Um, but he's built, he, he's done very well with a roster that is very smartly built, mm-hmm. right? Goff has people to throw to. Yeah. They've got a really good running back, uh, you know, backfield. I I really was curious about taking Jameer Gibbs in the first round. And I'm like, well, now I get it. With right? Montgomery? Like, yeah, just a great one-two punch. The offensive line's pretty good. The defense is very opportunistic. Mm-hmm. Like, the Lions are in a good spot. Like, I was talking to my buddy about this, who's a huge Browns fan. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, realistically, I know what's going to happen, right? We're probably going to see Philly and, you know, maybe even Casey again. Honestly, even with the the issues at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. But I want to see Roger Goodell's worst nightmare in the Super Bowl. Cleveland, Detroit. Ooh, Rust Bowl. For, for all the marbles. Rust Bowl. And watching Roger Goodell in a skybox just crying. Because outside of Cleveland and Detroit, everybody's going to be like, do we really want to watch this? Dude, shit? I like, would love to. You know what the Super Bowl is going to be? I'm saying it now. Miami. And Detroit, Miami, Miami, and Detroit, and oh and, man, and Detroit wins the NFC Championship game against the San Francisco 49ers on a, like a missed field goal. It's gonna be like some silly oh, shit man. like that. Like it's like here, someone's like someone saying Brady was a system guy and managed to bring some of the system with him to another team to keep winning. <laughs> Dude, I'm a, a, a Vol- I, I I disagree with that Vulcan because people forget his first three years. He didn't break 3,200 yards nope. passing. Corey Dillon went for 2,000 yards. Damn near, <laughs> damn near one year, yeah, right. And Corey Dillon was supposed to be washed after leaving Cincinnati, yeah. right? You know, this was a completely run dominant team, defense dominant team, right? Yeah. It was it was like old school football. And then I think uh, like his third year, he threw for like 35, 3,600 yards, something like that. And then he bring in fucking um they start they start stacking the wide receiver room you know and then next thing you know you got randy Moss and west welker Oof. there and it just became you know poetry in motion where brady's just hucking it chugging it football. Dude, this is what i say to the system you know, thing. Like, to the system thing i say this brady broke his leg <laughs> one year and uh i can't remember the guy that came in towards acl towards acl yeah, that was against Kansas City and Matt Castle. Matt Castle, who never played at USC, comes nope. in and does all right, but isn't he, dude, isn't Tom Brady. ten games, ten games? They won ten games and didn't make the playoffs that year. But he doesn't do what Brady did. If it's a system that anybody can can do, like when Roger Staubach was hanging it up with the Cowboys, he famously said because you know a lot of the guys had contentious relationships with Tom Landry yeah. and Tom Landry's history as a coach is an interesting one. If you look at it, because there was a lot of players that hated him because he was hard ass, but he was a great a asshole but, him and Chuck. Noll. but, but, but right? look at Hollywood Henderson who has a horrible cocaine problem. He says the one guy that was with him at his AA meetings was like Tom Landry. Yeah. So getting complicated character. And when Staubach who gave his all, for the Cowboys. He says, I'm hanging it up. Tom Landry, he said, Tom Landry looked at him and goes, the system will be fine. Danny White didn't win any Super Bowls. 
No. He may have put up better numbers, but he didn't win any Super Bowls. So the fact that it's always a system, like you can say, well, you go from Joe Montana to Steve Young. Steve Young won one Super Bowl, not four, and maybe played with better players on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and I, I will say this, though. Um, by the time Young takes over that Niners team, defenses had figured out the West Coast offense. You know, it wasn't the revolutionary thing that Bill Walsh brought from Stanford uh, the way it was when Montana was slinging it around. I will I'm 100 percent with you. He's arguably arguably playing with better talent on both sides of the ball. Absolutely. And Mike Shanahan is. <laughs> yes. But there's a reason by the early 2000s. People are like, well, the West Coast offense ain't fucking cutting it. And you see people like Andy Reid kind of tinker with it and add their own spins to mm-hmm. it. And that's why, you know, it's still present, you know, like those short passes, wide receivers are supposed to get yards after catch, that type of mm-hmm. thing. But like nobody in their right mind would run a fucking West Coast offense now. And that's why John Gruden fell flat <laughs> on his fucking you mean, face. You mean looking at the pro set is not going <laughs> to? Yeah. You know, like I, I just like always wonder. It's like, you remember when Joe Gibbs came back? Yeah. I formation for the Redskins. Yeah, just, uh, all right, uh, Redskins coming out, first play of the game. We've got uh, two tight ends, I form. Uh, yeah, oh, three yards in a cloud of dust. Okay, all right, now it's second and seven. Uh, we'll see what Joe Gibbs has got. Oh, two, two tight ends in, in the I form. Again, oh, no, three no yards. Motions. Okay. No motions at all. Not just, nobody's fucking moving at all. Just we got like a seal that. here, and you get a seal here. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I look. The, J- Jeff Garcia put up decent numbers, but couldn't win big games. You can't just be a quote unquote system guy and assume that it's just the system that takes you there. You actually have to be able to do the system thing. You have to get the ball to the players. You have to understand the system you're playing with. People act as if. You just plug these people in these little these little positions, and then they just do their thing. Like yeah. everybody has to fit properly. And well, let's go ahead. Here's a here's a big example of that. Namdi Namdi Asa. Oh, th- preach, preach, preach. All right, Namdi for six years was the best cornerback in the NFL when he played in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. played a lot of zone, mm-hmm. but knew how to sniff the ball mm-hmm. out. And everybody gave him shit because remember those last two years in Oakland, he only had like three picks because nobody no threw it the ball on his side nope. of the field. Nope. So he signs this giant free agent deal yep. and goes to Philly, made it two years. And what killed his production had to play man. Was not the biggest guy. Namdi Asimo is maybe one of the more uh, athletic and, and graceful corners. Mm-hmm. I will give him credit for this. He did tackle much better than Deion Sanders did. Oh, yes, all day long. Okay, but he wasn't very physical, right? So Namdi is expected to play man, and C. Mills, like you said, it was sad watching this this guy who fucking locked down an entire side of a field on some pretty bad Oakland Raiders teams. Mm -hmm. And then he gets to Philly and just disappears. And like I felt horrible because he only he only made it two years in that deal. He retired. Like he didn't even like. Don't feel bad for him. He married Kerry Washington. He's in a movie, so he's, yeah, he's living yeah. his best life. Yeah, he I'm is. He's still in Mexico, so fuck him. 
Yeah, well, that's fair. That's fair. Um, like I want to marry Carrie. Walker, right? I'm not gonna lie. I'd punch you in the nose. Dude, I'd let you. <laughs> you get with that Carrie Washington? All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be funny. Like Jason's gonna call me up. He's like, Matt, get your ass down here. I gotta punch <laughs> face. Like, Carrie's orders. Carrie's there. Oh <laughs> fuck, dude. Okay. It's the only Carrie that matters for me. That's um, right. And then once you punch me in the face, I'm like, Carrie, I'm gonna need a hundred thousand dollars. to keep quiet about this. <laughs> I'm leaking this shit like the puffy case. Um, I'm going right to none. <laughs> Crying as Namdi Asamoah, <laughs> and he and he does like he does like a, a love and basketball thing, and he's like, I want to play you for your heart. And he's got a lockdown, Kerry Washington on the fucking. <laughs> and you see him put his helmet on, no? <laughs> <laughs> One tear rolls down his cheek. <laughs> it starts to rain. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. I want to I get on to it. So the San Francisco 49ers, I feel, have the NFC West locked up. I thought they had it locked up a lot better because they have a video game team with their ex-player um, GM who is putting the team together like his young son is playing Madden on, yep. on franchise mode. Yeah, you totally need to trade for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Hey dad, we can get Chase Young for <laughs> Dad. Dad, we can totally get the most frightening defensive ends if you just do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's ridiculous. Like getting McCaffrey for what they got him for was fucking amazing. Now and I will say this the reason they're able to bring in McCaffrey's salary is because they're not paying their quarterback anything. Now that can't last for nothing lasts forever. Nothing. Not a fucking thing. Everybody's like the Browns, man, they got the most salary cap space in the league right now. You know what happens next year? Watson's almost gonna make almost a hundred million dollars. The shitty thing is next year will be year three of that deal, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. There's a comment. Virtuoso says Niners is playing DraftKings with an unlimited salary cap on the app. Yep. yep. That's fair. Yep. <laughs> that's a fair comment. But this is the kicker. Mm-hmm. Say Watson comes back looking even worse than he did mm-hmm. after the suspension in year one. If the Browns cut him, 260 million dead cap hit cannot do it right so they're kind of stuck with him you know but like you cannot you cannot you cannot um discount the fact that purdy's been well purdy was playing good football when they went on that kind of like losing streak um you're you're seeing the limits of what he can do mm-hmm. you know and i wouldn't say purdy is right guy in the right time i think it's more like right place right coach you know, um, Kyle Shanahan has shown he could win with a lot of different, you know, uh, pieces. Um, he turned uh, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson into a backfield that ran for 1,800 yards. Yeah. Right? It's in his genes, man. He, that's how his dad is. He gets. Hey. And dude, again, I'm going to say this again. 
how were the Browns so bad when they had Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan on the sideline? How? Well, <laughs> Johnny Manziel, like, he raises his hand in the back. I think I, uh, <laughs> I might know. <laughs> hey, guys, you know, uh, I'm kind of humbled, uh, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it was me. Those those two, those two, I can't remember the name of that series, but the one they did about Johnny Manziel and the one they did about the Florida Gators were yeah. so kind of horrible. We were talking about like rehabilitating bad people's legacies. Oh, dude, yes. And then see, that's what kills you with like what Netflix is trying to do with sports right now. Like they had a live golf with some of the like the the live guy, the golfers and you know which are like the pariahs of the golf world because you know live is completely funded by the investment fund of saudi arabia awesome you know um and then they got it they really leaned into f1 which is honestly there's only one more world sports organization more corrupt than f1 and that's fifa um and then they just ran a shit show of a race in Vegas. People said that was a, a hell of an event to go to. I wasn't there. Dude, I'm sure it was if you could afford it. I mean, at right. that point, you just go to Vegas for the party. That Selling that kind of stuff is what it's about. It's about the experience. And NASCAR doesn't get it. It's because NASCAR ain't got to do it, Jason. It's about racing. Left turns. Rubbing. If I told you all of the features that are included at the Las Vegas Speedway, where EDC is, that they were telling me about things they had to do to bring young people in to watch NASCAR. Oh, dude, I dude, I had to babysit a color guard. I thought you were say down at Charlotte Motor Speedway. A colored girl. No, no color guard doing things with flags, Jason. God, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. There might be some horrible. <laughs> I had to babysit you know, a colored girl. Can you imagine <laughs> that? Me. Just absolutely nuts. <laughs> Is this how I get thanked for my service? <laughs> this sounds like a buddy cop movie. Yeah, He's an ex-Marine. Like, She's yeah. colored. <laughs> That's a CBS sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? Laugh track and <laughs> but no, like my commander's like, hey, Mac, you hate NASCAR, right? And I'm like, I absolutely hate NASCAR. And he's like, great. You're going to be in charge of the color guard down at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And I'm like, why would you do this to me? He's like, well, because you're going to be staying on the infield. And I need you to like herd the color guard when you guys are done. Herd? Oh, dude, like keep them from fucking being idiots because only rich people sit on the infield, right? And... I was horrible at that. Like I didn't have a drop of alcohol, but I end up when we get back on the bus, I, there's this dude who's 23 years old with a shitting grin on his face that I looked for, for the entirety of the race on the infield. I'm like, where is this fucking guy? And he's in one of these like million dollar RVs, like fucking the owner's Oh, that's not good. No. mm -mm. Considering she was underage. Horrible. She was 17. Right. And her dad comes to post and is like, I'm not saying anything because y'all are American heroes. Thank you for your service. But stay the fuck away from my daughter. You know, like that type of shit. And I'm like, okay, man. And my commander looks at me and I'm like, dude, I don't know what you at. Like, I can't keep track of 16 people where booze is just flowing freely. Mm -hmm. You know, all these 
all these people with Confederate flags waving that are like, I love America. And I'm like, you can't have that. (laughs) It doesn't, it doesn't drive. Yeah. It doesn't work, you know, but like they like booze is just, they're just giving them drinks and shit. I'm like, dude, I don't need, you know, and I'm miserable because I have to run around and fucking noise canceling headphones that are like squeezing my fucking brain dealing with the sport that I don't think is a sport. You know, like, I'm just like, this is the dumbest shit ever. Like, I don't understand how people got into this. Like, take me back to the beginning when it was like people running from the cops. And like, <laughs> okay. Dude, I'm, but I'm down. Because you were but, on a real speedway, and for those that actually watch NASCAR, Strom, I know you, you enjoy NASCAR. I didn't know that the speedways, they actually kind of ride almost sideways and the tires were yeah. made for that. So when we were working EDC, which is a huge music festival at the Speedway, they took the uh, governors off the carts. So they go a little faster. Mm-hmm. And I assumed we could fucking take this turn. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. You tip that fucker over. Because <laughs> yep. when you work all the other festivals, those carts are going like, you know, especially like, uh, PGA Fest, those carts maybe go like 10, 15 miles an hour. Well, they can't be too loud. You don't want to fuck with people's backswing. Oh, yeah. I, did. I fucked up and drove into uh, some pro's backswing. I was, a, I was a mess. on. They usually have people that stop you at PGA. Um, but, yeah, those, those tracks, really cool. Don't try to take that in a regular car or golf cart. You will die. That being said, can the see? Can the Seahawks catch the Niners, and can the Seahawks no. go to the playoffs out of the West? I mean, the Seahawks can be a wild card, but I don't think they catch the Niners. You don't um, think they beat them this week? No, I don't. I don't. Zulak is just, starting, right? Yes, I believe so. Um, I mean, part of, that's part of the reason why I don't think they're going to win. I mean, Drew Locke. Um, I mean, do you love him as much as you love Sam Darnold? I'm just trying to figure. No, out. man. When Drew Lock went four and one, I think it was his rookie year. I was because I watched a little bit of Drew Lock because he was supposed to be a first round draft pick coming out of Missouri, and he got injured. I think his senior year, and he just wasn't really that good coming out of Missouri, right? Yeah, and it's Missouri. It's I'm, Missouri. I'm no, it's you're right. It's Missouri, and so. And so when the Broncos got him in the second round, I was like, oh, this could be an interesting second round pick. And then he does, again, he goes four and one. He looks really good. Then a bunch of changes are made and he just looked lost that season. He was a starter. He fumbled a lot. Um, Yeah. He does like almost Daniel Jones type. He kind of looked like he was going to be Daniel Jones where he was going to get so gun shy that he wasn't going to be able to to perform. And um, sounds like me. Um, (laughs) Oh, shit. <laughs> Next time Jason's on stage, like talk about his book, he's just gonna. Uh... Hey, let's come on that guy's chest. He's not gonna do anything about it. He's gun shy. He can't perform. Fucking Marcus comes out of nowhere and just tackles him. <laughs> hey, Mister No Boner. <laughs> um, I I want to see Drew Lock do well. I always wanted him to kind of do well in Denver, but it, there was just something about the way he played that I it didn't translate well with that team. I I wonder what he'd be doing right now with the way this team is right now, um, because 
I'm just saying, you got to think, he lost the job to Geno Smith. And this is before Geno Smith goes off last year, right? Geno Smith looks like the guy that he was supposed to be when he came out of college. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, like, when he beat Drew Locke for that position, this is, like, the Geno Smith that's been, like, passed around like a blunt. You know, like, he wasn't supposed to win. They made that trade. Sending Locke to Seattle with the intention of starting Drew Locke. And he looked like just – obviously, he didn't look good when he lost his starting job during the summer to Geno Smith, Smith, who then had in a phenomenal year. Like you said, this is this these are the numbers we expected. He throws a pretty deep ball. Geno Smith yeah. throws a real pretty deep ball, and, and Pete Carroll loves loves the deep ball game. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, I'm gonna tell you right now, man. Uh, I the Vikings aren't getting there. I love Josh Dobbs. I would love to see the Vikings going around with Dobbs. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but Dobbs has a degree in aerospace engineering. Yes. Just yes. a freaky like for the amount of teams he's played, and considering his season, where in the preseason he's in Cleveland, yeah, gets moved week one to Arizona, yep. uh, becomes the starter. And then gets moved mid-season on a Monday, is starting on a Sunday, and he knows the fucking playbook already. He's a fun, he's a he's a fun quarterback to to watch. Actually, Josh Dobbs. I think people slept on him coming out of Tennessee. Yeah, for whatever, really for whatever reason. You know, maybe it was they were going through that whole like these black guys can't play QB phase because it goes back and forth, right? Um, and now watching him play is fun to watch. I, I like the Josh Dobbs story. I don't know where it's going to end. I don't know if it ends in a wild card berth for for uh, Minnesota. Maybe. Do you think that the wild card comes out of the central? I, I I can see Minnesota picking up a wild card because like they're one of, you know, losing Kirk Cousins, which is going to be weird to to say this, uh, kind of hurt Minnesota because they were playing amazing football. Yeah. Going into Cousins' injury, um, I don't think the defense is really stout enough to 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 make a deep run, but they've got some they've got some pieces there, even with Jefferson out right. Oh, now. Addison is great. Yeah, Addison um, Addison is great. He was a beast at SC. Yes, um, and I think Addison and Jefferson that could be the next big one-two punch as far as receivers go. Now. Does Dobbs keep that job? Because like, is Cousins gonna come back next year? There's so there's such a wealth you know? of quarterbacks coming out right now that I think people want to take a flyer on one of these young kids. Even though, to me, the irony is some of these young kids are as old as some of the dudes in the league right now. Yeah. Oh, Knicks. I think Caleb Williams is about 22, 23. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, it's panic. We talk, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna see guys staying in school longer because they can make money now. Uh, they may not stay at one school. Yeah. Uh, we may have it like that kid. Uh, what is it? JT Daniels at Rice now. Jesus. That went from USC to Georgia to, to West Virginia. West Virginia. And now he's a grad student at Rice. And he's only at Rice because the guy who recruited him to SC is the offensive coordinator there now. So, I mean, I think we're gonna see people stay in school longer. Uh, to to kind of build their resume, so to speak, um, and make some money. To your point about game film, though, JT Daniels has a good amount of game film. He's played at a high level. Keaton Slovis is another guy that's bounced around for years. Mm -hmm. 
I think he actually played the year Daniels went down in SC. I believe so, yeah. Um, so, you know, the Niners are the team coming out of the West. The NFC South is the worst it's been since I can remember. Um, Dude, me, you, and everybody in chat right now probably can finish 500 in the NFC South. Like, it's not... It's Does not the NFC South send an under 500 team in the playoffs? <sighs> Man... I mean, you got to think. Uh, I, I can see nine and eight winning that division this year. Um, I don't think anybody finishes under five hundred because I there's just so many winnable games in the South. You know what I mean? Like because they're, they're not good. Um, it, it's <laughs> excuse me, guys. It's it's kind of hard to see the amount of mediocrity in one division. <laughs> like the Saints look lost. And Jameis Wilson is back under center, or Jameis Winston is back under center again for the night. Uh, yeah, and even Carr looks com- like was looked completely lost. Um, you know, you have a Tampa team that looks more and more like we're going to see Kyle Trask start getting some playing time. Um, Do you think Kyle Trask was that good coming out of Florida? No, no. Thank you. You want to know what it was? He's six five. That's what it is. Maybe, maybe, maybe some people look are better in the NFL than they are in college. Yeah, I don't think Kyle Trask is that guy. Um, you know, and then you have the Panthers, who are an absolute doormat right now. Um, the Falcons are going back to Desmond Ritter, which why not just keep? Never a Ritter guy. I I don't. After watch watching him in Cincy, I'm like, okay, maybe with the right talent. And then I'm looking at the Falcons who've there's talent there. Bijan. Bijan Robinson. Beast. Pitts. Beast. I don't understand how Kyle Pitts, Pitts isn't, isn't more Beast. involved in the offense. Drake London. Yeah. Beast. You have people to build around there. Why do you get, I almost said Marcus Toyasasopo, who was the quarterback from Oregon? <laughs> It's one of them Hawaiian, but now I'm sounding like a racist. It's um, one of them Hawaiians, one of them island Negro. I can. <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, Mariota, Marcus Mariota. <laughs> well, you want to say two? <laughs> you wanted to say you was gonna say every island name. <laughs> The thing is, it's like Ohio State's big defensive end is JT Tuamololau. Mm-hmm. And it took me a year and a half to figure out how to say his name. Is he possibly from San Diego? I think he might be. You know why? <laughs> they all are. Um, all, <laughs> Jason's like, I, I've met every Tuamololau. Every you one of them. Down there, you're like, oh, man, oh, you, I thought she was a bunch of light-skinned black people. But she's too big. <laughs> I didn't know there was like a Samoan side of Oakland when I was working in DoorDash. I just was delivering something to the Samoan side of Oakland. I was like, oh my gosh. Like a whole city block full of just thick, light-skinned women. Where'd you come from? Shit. Dude, it's like my buddy uh, Garcia, when I met him, like he joined the army and he's just like this little little Hispanic dude and his mom's from El Salvador and she moved mm-hmm. here to get away from you know the dirty wars. Yeah, the, the, Amer- <laughs> the American shit that was happening, right? Um, 
and he like played guitar and bass in like a speed metal band awesome and uh you know like he's telling us about like his where he grew up and he grew up like in the armenian part of town <laughs> it is there's yes and he's like yeah man you know like i only spoke spanish in the house because that's all my mom spoke that's all like my cousin and my aunt spoke like like you know they had what you know fucking 20 people in the house you know because that's how they had to live just to make ends meet and he's like i didn't realize like i could go to other places in la <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's a lot cheaper to live but he's like i grew up around all these armenians that are like going to school and like beamers and shit uh-huh. and he's like i'm on the bus you know <laughs> he's, he's, so i was like and his casperians flipping him off yeah you know like <laughs> i'm just kidding anna Fucking Kardashians are throwing. You Kardashians. Them, you know? <laughs> um, but I was like, what made your mom move there? And she's like, he goes, she was domestic help. And they let her like Ooh. live in like a pool house or something. At, yeah. Like when she first yeah. got to the States. And he, he's like, she didn't want to leave. She liked the area. Yeah. And well, I was like, was oh. nice. It's safe. Yeah. You know, so and I'm, I was, I'm, you can't get mad at that. No, no. I mean, I just, it it's just funny. Like Garcia's like, I thought like, I, he's like, I'm in California. I hear Spanish all the time. And he's like, I didn't. He's like, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's parts of California. I'm telling you, I didn't realize that there's like, there's like Tongan areas. I grew up with a few in my city in Richmond, but it's I don't know. I, that's why California to me is a magical place. New York can be a magical place like that too, where everybody starts talking the same. So you have all these different looking kind of people. Like you ever been in the? You live in the South right now. I don't. We're, I'm gonna stop because it's gonna get real. It's gonna get real racist for a second. It's gonna get like real, real offensively racist. Yeah, yeah. I mean that happens down here, you know. It's, I I was we were in the Bay Area for the book launch, and I took Ben Burgess. I was like, "Hey, you want to go eat breakfast?" Before I went to high school. It's like you're gonna love this town because I went to high school in the city that I didn't live in, and it's a really nice, quaint little town outside of Berkeley called Albany. And I kind of wanted to take him to where I grew up so he could see the difference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like in Cleveland, right? Like you have sectioned part of town, like of of like the West Side, mm-hmm. which is like. Mm-hmm. People are like don't go to the don't cross the bridge don't go to the west side right but like you have like the black part of town and the yeah. Irish part of town and the Serb and Croat part of town right and we got a smattering of Greeks in there too you know but like the thing is like on the west side like we all have like our sections of town but dude if someone's having a celebration we're all there right all of us yeah go to the east side though and I'm talking I'm talking the east side of Cleveland not the city of East Cleveland not the Bone Thug side oh bro. <laughs> Boom, 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 boom. Jason, when I tell you East Cleveland is fucking shit, it is shit. The city hey. of East Cleveland has been begging the city of Cleveland to, like, bring it in. And the city of Cleveland's like, nah, dude, you're too much. Bro, with the last tour we was on in 2019, I don't know if we played in Cleveland, but we were in that part of Cleveland. And it's where the Planet Fitness was. There was a hood-ass Planet Fitness over there. And that shit was so. It was one of them like eye-opening hoods where you're like, "Oh, we are in the." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was, hey, people was cool as hell, but real talk, 
It was one of them like, hey, we all ain't finna go to the gym right now. People are staying back. <laughs> Don't try to fight with him. Just keep moving the van. Yep. Oh, yep. Yeah, I'll find you. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 the weird part. But on the east side, like you get more towards like uh, Beachwood, which is predominantly Jewish, right? Mm-hmm. So you like you have like Orthodox Jews, you know, walking around and 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 you know the the big hats and the curls and all black, and you have the more secular Jewish people there. But it's super fucking swanky, yeah. right? And my brother played football there, and they had just started their football program. My brother, my youngest brother is like 6'2", probably weighed like 190. His starting center was like 5'10", 160. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just tiny people. Your brother was a tackling dummy? Oh, dude, he he got beat up so bad. And the thing is, it's like um, in Illyria, there's a small, it used to be an all-girls school, but they, they went co-ed, and it's called Notre Dame College. Mm. And um, they... Uh, uh, have a really good football program now right and justin got recruited there and the coach is like listen we're not playing a quarterback you're gonna play safety and that kind of like bummed him out real bad it's only played two years uh because he really wanted to be a quarterback um but you know it it's just it's really weird um and virtuoso cleveland heights it's a nice little part of town i mean i I understand it people everybody knows cleveland heights now because of fucking the The kelsey brothers um, but I would rather like their hood or something. No, no, it's just Cleveland Heights is kind of like a, it's a burb, man. But the Kelsey brothers don't act hood. I don't watch their show. They don't try to act hood. They? They, they, no, God, no, man. These two are just like, they're just like two dudes. Yeah, they're wholesome, and that it, it creeps me out. Like it makes me feel gross that I like them. Well, they're not like, racist like the Boses. No, God, the Boses are the fucking worst, man. I shouldn't say that because you know Joey Bosa loves Chase Young. Yeah, well, allegedly. Excuse me. Alleg- they're allegedly racist. They were Trump fans, but I think they were Trump fans in that way that like this is cool to be edgy. Dude, and the thing is, it's Ohio where it's screwy that we take advantage of referendums to vote two rad things that get written into our state constitution mm-hmm. that Republicans there hate so much. They're trying to find a way to not do it, which is put abortion rights that women have mm-hmm. uh, access to abortion mm-hmm. uh, into the state constitution, as well as legalizing pot across the board. Yeah. Claude was talking about that. Yeah. And now the state, the Republican GOP there is uh, trying to stop it, even though we voted for it, you know? Um, and then we also have on the flip side of that, you know, Trump won by like 20 points and 20, you know, 20% in 2016. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's absolute batshit crazy uh the politics in that state um but it's home and i love cleveland hey i'm from california i get it you know um we were talking about dr claw yesterday in the champagne room and we did a whole bit about how we did we've done two bits about claw and one is that he is the brother-in-law that you love, but he divorces your sister because she's such a happy. But she keep had him come over to the family parties because everybody loved Claw. <laughs> and so <laughs> we were just, we, like, did, we don't know what he looks like, right? So we just did a whole thing about how we said he looks because we said he's one of these big niggas. 
<laughs> with a nice beard. He got a Teddy Pendergrass beard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice gold chain, but like wrapped big, but like a nice old man gold chain. It's <laughs> it's funny. Like he's the dude. Like you're you're planning the family thing, and your sister's like. You invite Claw again? You're like, oh fuck yeah, he was the first. Yeah, why wouldn't you invite Claw? Shit, hell yeah, shit. Claw's on my fantasy team. Well, yeah, we we play fantasy. Yeah, I called him first. Okay, I called him first. You lucky you got called, Tanya. (laughs) Some nasty ass potato salad. That's why he left your ass. (laughs) Kept trying to feed that tough ass cornbread. Maybe if your cornbread was edible, Tanya. This shit wouldn't be awkward during family functions. He brings over a well-cooked brisket, and you bring over that. <laughs> yeah, like Claw goes, like, you know he's bringing the barbecue. Yeah. He just walks in with the big foil he thing. He walks in with a big, hey, everybody. Claw. What's up, dude? He gives your mom a kiss on the cheek. Hey, oh, mom. Yeah. And he calls her like, hey, mama. And she's like, oh, man, I don't know why, Tanya, and you couldn't get along. How's your hip doing, Mom? <laughs> oh, it, it pains me some, baby. But I, 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 <laughs> that I we did this. <laughs> Mac, we did a whole like two episodes. Hey, Cla- of Dr. Claw being everybody's favorite brother-in-law. Claw, you, know? you you made it on the list of characters everybody has to be introduced to <laughs> before they start watching the show. So so we, <laughs> then we went so far in our fictitious story of who Dr. Claw is that we said that the, the he comes to the house finally with his new wife who's a white woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll wait okay. to the end of the show. I'll wait to the end of the show. In this, fi- in this fictional account, how tall is Claw? Claw how is about? supposed to be at least like 6'2". Okay, Claw, you're 6'2". The white woman you roll in with is 5'1". At, at the <laughs> She's, he rolls in with a white woman, and everybody started looking at him side. We did a whole thing about Claw and this white woman. <laughs> <laughs> we, we completely... <laughs> See, this is where Tucson comes in handy because she's like, boys, can we... Can we get back to the topic at hand? And then we go, no. no, yeah. we <laughs> we're, we're telling our fucking story of who this fictional man is. Oh. Um, Claw's 6'4"? Is oh, it? Yeah. There you go, dude! Hey, I'm telling you, dude, if Claw... We found video footage of uh, I think it's Jeffrey Osborne. <laughs> And Marilyn, no, uh, Madeline Kahn, not Madeline Kahn, Madeline, was it Madeline Kahn? Singing Can You Woo Woo Woo. Oh, God. And uh, it was the funniest shit ever. And we, <laughs> and it became like, so that's another thing, too, is you, oh, I found it. I found it. I found it. I found it. I think I can get away with playing this on the main show. I will say this. You know what got me in trouble last night? Uh, I played. I asked everyone if they knew who DC Talk was. Oh, you God. know who DC Talk is? Decent Christian Talk, the rap group from yes. the 90s. It, it. No one remembered them, and so I played a little, like a little snippet of their music. Oh man, they fucking pulled the episode over that. Remember, it was DC Talk and the Newsboys. <laughs> I love rap music. Oh gosh, 
So this is this is this is Doctor Claw. Music. Mac, this is Doctor Claw, and he comes to the family function with his white girl, and everybody's looking at her sideways, and then karaoke time comes, and this is what happens during karaoke time with Claw and his white woman. So and Doc, they, um, they immediately liked her more than Tanya. Oh point. yeah, then Tanya's all mad at his Tanya's, Tanya's like the black chicken breaking too. <laughs> I love you, Ozone. <laughs> Jason, she's in the corner eating her dry ass potatoes. And, just like... <laughs> and everybody walking up to Tanya like, damn, you see Claude wife sing? <laughs> I heard she made the barbecue sauce and them good ass ribs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> if you're gonna oh. have oh. if you're gonna bring your white woman look it's thanksgiving tomorrow i know a lot of people give a shit and they have families that love them <laughs> unlike me and me are you gonna be alone too oh dude i'm always alone man i have i have i have two books <laughs> i have two books i gotta finish tomorrow because mm-hmm. I'm one of the, I'm one of those guys that reads like four books at a time. Gotcha. I know um, that. Man. And then I'm gonna start um, Notes of a Native Son tomorrow uh, by James Baldwin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, How Nonviolence Protects the State by Peter Vandenloos. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, your boy. Virtuoso is gonna be working. I'm sorry to hear that, Virtuoso, but I'm happy to hear that you got a job. Yeah. Yeah, that is good. Virtuoso, I hate that you have to work as well. Uh, but like I like to tell my ex-wife all the time, not everybody gets time off during these federal holidays. Um, like I had to work on Labor Day and she's like, I thought the whole point of Labor Day was to give working people off. And I was like, <laughs> Shit. can you woo, woo, woo? Yeah. Can you woo, woo, woo work yeah. on Labor Day? <laughs> Is that what your boss said? Your yeah, interracial yeah. boss couple. <laughs> hey Mac, uh, can you woo woo woo? <laughs> can you woo woo woo? Yeah. Um. Oh, hope hey, you guys are enjoying. Hey Mac, I'm gonna need you to woo woo work a double <laughs> on Labor Day. Wow. And then his wife goes, "Can you woo woo woo?" <laughs> We're going to the beach tomorrow. <laughs> like I don't need your pip ass background singer fucking telling me what I gotta do. Um tell your lawn gnome of a wife Shut the fuck up. Now let's end the show, which we're probably gonna talk about for the rest of the hour or so, because we've been talking NFL and laughing at make believe law. Yeah, the, the legend of Dr. You can never meet him now because he has to look like Teddy Pendergrass. <laughs> and if he does it, if he's like light-skinned, I'd be like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> I'm like, you, you can't be looking like Howard Hewitt. This is fucking up my whole fucking vision of you. You just block him after that. Yeah, just like... I'll be sure Christopher Williams looking at him. You can't have good hair, Claw. 
you have a nice natural, but the shit can't be too. You can't be Tere Reed and shit walking uh, in with a conk. Um, <laughs> um, my face hurts. <laughs> we've been so racist today. Uh, I mean, I started off by getting nutted on my chest. That's why I was like, yeah. "You got anything you want to get off on my chest?" Yeah. You know, and then Bryce Young jumped in, you know, to, <laughs> yeah. got, that 50 minute clip got really weird, right? Jason just taking loads. Bryce Young shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> Start asking about the college football playoff and Jason's like, wait a minute, somebody had me a wet nap. It's all over. Can you woo woo woo? Can oh my god. So, and some, the thing is, somebody's singing that while they're getting off on <laughs> getting off of my chest. <laughs> and their little short white wife pops in right as he's about to bust. Because <laughs> he can't carry the tune anymore and she like picks it up. I'm so scared to open up the phone lines tomorrow. <laughs> just because of all the insane things we've been saying, even on the main show. But the fact that the champagne room has devolved into just the creation of different characters that I'm afraid to hear. Someone's going to call in and do anti-racist, racist, slick Rick Rap. Oh, yeah. Who's going to call in and do anti-racist, racist? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you got like a call of somebody who has been working on their Dr. King for like the last (laughs) Pog, Pog. It just, just goes into it like, you know. And them white women. <laughs> My goodness, Mac. <laughs> I've never seen them clap. <laughs> Have you heard of twerking? <laughs> oh, God. I walked into Starbucks the other day. <laughs> I did. I only wanted one glass of coffee. But I saw those leggings. <laughs> I've never heard of a camel toe, Mac. <laughs> But then now I know where to go, Mac. Oh, like my son likes to say, canceled. Canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. King. Or Fuck, Dr. We might we might get more canceled than Matt Rife right now. <laughs> God. MLK ordering pumpkin spice lattes just to look at camel toes. <laughs> Starbucks. It's my favorite season, Mac. It's the fall. It's the... <laughs> Leggings and Uggs. <laughs> Showing some love. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, we're done. We're done. We're done. Uh, Shit. Okay. Uh, now let's get to our main topic of the evening. Private equity and its potential influence in college sports. Everybody put your serious hat on now. I'm trying, but I keep seeing MLK walking. <laughs> like this. <laughs> Brother Abernathy, have you ever seen? <laughs> what are they feeding these white women in the suburbs? <laughs> uh well, Dr. King, if you really want to get down to it, it's the steroid-infused proteins that we find in our grocery stores now. And, and the if pro- you say so, <laughs> <laughs> all I know. <laughs> I 
heaven sent apple bottoms everywhere. <laughs> Can you just imagine it? Just fucking hanging out at a suburban fitness club. He's just like, oh my God. You bitches out there twerking? He's sitting at like one curl machine and just every five minutes he does like three and he's just like <laughs> just praying. He's just praying the whole time. Lord Jesus, give me the strength not to grab one of these ass. <laughs> Mag, can you? You know who's really disappointed with us right now? <laughs> I hope not the viewership. I hope not either, but it's Dr. King looking down on us again <laughs> right now. Like, what? What if he wasn't, and he was like, "Brother Malcolm, these <laughs> niggas are funny." <laughs> that nigga gets it. <laughs> Hold on, and Malcolm just there like this, Jason. By any joke necessary. <laughs> I'm totally uh, gonna get assassinated. <laughs> For like all the wrong reasons. Jesus Christ. We're gonna get the shit beat out of us, man. It's just gonna like middle class black people fucking hey, that's mine. Stop. <laughs> I need it. I need it. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So private equity in college sports, guys. <clears throat> I'm gonna have to go grab some water, so take it away. <laughs> Okay, so last week, Sports Illustrated reported that the University of Arizona had a Board of Regents meeting, and at this meeting, uh, they discussed the budget, and it turns out that the athletic department at the University of Arizona is running $50 million in the hole, and this is after the university itself, uh, during the COVID year, gave the athletic department a $50 million loan. So I'm not if you don't under like get like how you have board of regents meetings happen. Every university has a, a like a, a controlling board, and they meet with like student uh, government. They meet typically universities have like a faculty government as well. And in this, some professors uh, and other members of the faculty government floated the idea of just selling the athletic department. So that would kind of bring us like, you know, University of Arizona football brought to you by IBM, right? Or, or whatever corporate entity would purchase it. And Jason and I got to talking about it and I did some digging. And as of 2021, there were only 18 schools that didn't run their athletic departments <coughs> at a loss. Um, and for this uh, data set that we have, the University of Oregon was the top earner at $270 million profit, but that was because of a $258 million gift from Phil Knight. So, yeah. Um, so technically, I would say that the number two school on this list is the top earner, and that was the University of Georgia, which turned a $36 million profit, <clears throat> give or take, right? Uh, Ohio State came in fifth at $15 million. The last, uh, the last of those 18 schools to turn a profit was the University of Kentucky, and they made $192,000. Uh, 
Mm. This is the kicker. This list is 211 schools. 211 have ADs, right? The school that runs at the biggest deficit is Radford University. Have you heard of Radford University, Jason? Is it a Division three school? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. They run Earth. ten. They run ten million dollars in the hole. Okay. I'm sorry. Ten million dollar deficit. Right. Number two twenty nine is our most recent football darling in college football, James Madison, who is making the transition from FCS to FBS. And remember, yeah. we're undefeated before their loss to App State. Yeah. They run a $48 million deficit in their athletic department. 40. So sports <clears throat> are a loss leader is what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now the we've seen realignment really kind of get out of control in the last few years because why? Schools are chasing TV dollars to offset losses in the athletic department, right? Mm-hmm. Well, why would the University of Arizona, which is getting ready to make the move to the Big 12, which didn't sign a stupid deal like, you know, we'll say Stanford and Cal and SMU to join the ACC. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, Arizona is going to get a full portion of the $36 million every school in the Big 12 gets. Right. Mm -hmm. But why would they be looking to kind of slice off their athletic department, have private equity move into it? Because there's an actual market for it. Mm. Private equity firms, venture capitalists, all want in in college athletics because of these ridiculously ballooning TV deals. Ohio State's deal is five years long, 1.2 bill. Ridiculous for five years. Their prior TV deal was like 400 million over 12. That's just for Ohio State. They don't have to share that with anybody else in the division. Well, I, and no, excuse me. That the Big Ten. That's the Big Ten. I'm the sorry Big about Ten. that. Okay. But it's still a ridiculous number. Yes. A ridiculous number, considering, like I said, the Big Ten's prior deal was like ten years long, mm-hmm. at you know forty percent of the value. Mm-hmm. That's what's killing the ACC now. They signed a ten-year deal that they're locked into until like 2030. With, uh, it's uh ACC Network and ESPN. Right. And they're not getting the viewership or the sponsorship dollars that they thought they were going to get. Oh, I mean, when they signed the deal, it made sense. They mm-hmm. they had a network that would help them launch their their own TV network. And, you know, people have to realize the only conference that was dumb enough to go it alone starting a conference network was the Pac-12. Yep. And that has literally led the Pac-12 into multiple lawsuits by mm-hmm. like Dish Network, Cox Cable. Uh, to where the Pac-12 couldn't provide the content to justify carrying the channel, right? So, and that's ultimately one of the things that really destroyed the Pac-12. Which uh, which should actually speak to something that we're not talking about now, that people don't care about the quality of the product. It's the presentation of the product. Yes. Because the Pac-12 wins championships across the board in all sports. Well, it's like uh, we were talking about last time. Stanford's won 26 out of 29 President's Cups. uh, And that is for the athletic department that wins the most championships. It's essentially who generates the most points, and that's through championships. Mm -hmm. You know, Stanford dominates in your non-revenue sports. And what I honestly what I like to call rich white people sports like crew 
rowing, sailing, shit like that. Um, fencing. Yeah, fencing, uh, badminton. Women's you know? softball. Yeah, you know, and and, volleyball. and like the, the thing is, it's <laughs> it's a shame that we're the only industrialized country that is tied um, below major league uh, sports mm-hmm. to academic institutions. And, and let's add this caveat as you continue that these colleges are supposed to be, especially these state schools, these state schools are nonprofit institutions. Yes. I mean, and this, this is, this is what pisses me off. Right. And, um, UNC, you know, the, 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 the flagship university of the state of North Carolina, mm-hmm. University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, um, had an almost $2 billion endowment last year. Why is a state school, like you said, that's supposed to be nonprofit mm-hmm. running around chasing down billions of dollars? Why? Mm-hmm. Right. And let's face it, some of that money is going to go to like expanding the hospital on campus because UNC medical system is phenomenal, right? It's going to go to building projects to make sure dorms are up to snuff, all that shit. But how much of that goes to, and I want to ask you, and you probably know this better, was a situation right now in California where you have private money coming in, taking over certain dorms and certain University of California schools. Again, public institutions have private money taking over the dorms. <clears throat> excuse me charging market rate for rents well do my my alma mater unc mm. pembroke only mm. has two dorm buildings that is controlled by the university okay everything is private everything else is privatized right and they don't even charge market price because in pembroke you can find a three-bedroom house for rent for about 600 bucks a month these dorms run anywhere from 1200 to 2200 a month why are they able to charge so much because it's taking the uh, responsibility away from the university, the like the liability, the responsibility to house students away from the university, mm-hmm. right? And the thing is, UNCP is one of the NC Promise schools where tuition is $500 flat a mm-hmm. semester for in-state students, mm-hmm. right? And Pembroke is in a very, very economically disadvantaged part of North Carolina. Um, and you have to understand UNCP was originally called the Indian school because that's where the indigenous people that were left in North Carolina had the ability to go and get a secondary education. That wasn't like a trade. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have the Lumbee tribe right in Pembroke and Robeson County um, that are not federally recognized, but they're recognized by the state. And a mm-hmm. lot of that has to do with, there was a lot of intermingling between freed slaves in Lumbee Right. And that kind of plussed up their numbers. And because the United States government still leans into blood quantum uh, to justify who is a native, Lumbees apparently don't meet that standard um, to be considered an indigenous grouping, Um, which I think is ridiculous because one of the the people that one of the groups of people that are fighting federal recognition the hardest is the Eastern Band of Cherokee. And. Uh, because if the Lumbee were federally recognized, they would be the largest indigenous nation east of the Mississippi. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. 56,000 members, Jason. There's a lot of Lumbee. And, that's, and your kids are half that? No, my kids are Catawba, um, <clears throat> which is a, a, a rinky-dink tribe. They only have 400 members on the rolls, and they're based out of South Carolina. Um, 
but you know i mean that's kind of off topic but like you know mm -hmm. that's what they did uh when they instituted nc promise the enrollment like quadrupled and there was no place to house these students so when i was in student government like i would bring this up constantly to the chancellor like mm -hmm. hey where are we putting these new students because nc promise is a great program when you can cap tuition at a low rate, $500 still a lot of money, but if you can pay $1,000 a year to go to school, that's that, great. That could be life-changing for yes. a lot of students. Yes. But where are they going to live when they get to campus? Like at one point they turned double rooms in the dorms into quadruple ones. So there were four like people. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> and you saw a lot of these apartments that were privately, you know, privately owned, not owned and run by the university. Mm -hmm. um that were two bedroom where you had a student in each bedroom and then a third student would be in there but just like have the couch you know so like it's it's absolutely ridiculous and it's not even just dorms anymore you're seeing like uh cafeterias mm -hmm. are being uh purchased by private equity and run by private equity so like it's out of the university's hands like sodexo runs i believe all the state school cafeterias in the state of north carolina now right so when you have an issue with the food you can't just go to like your your ra or your ta or anything anymore and bring up like maybe you have like a gluten allergy or you know a nut allergy like if i eat the shit, it's going to kill me mm -hmm. well Sodexo's running it you got to go talk to them good luck trying to get a corporate person on the line to, to discuss your food allergies. also food quality issues too because you're talking about people that are looking at profit motive as the only way yeah. so yeah you know, and eating you know, stuff not fit for human consumption absolutely and the thing is but if you look at athletic departments you know athletes typically have their own cafeteria and they get served the fucking finest the fine dining shit man mm. you know um and for me, like, I get that, like the athlete is putting everything they have out there. They should be well-fed, you know, they, they should be taken care of. They're generating millions and millions of dollars uh, for these universities. But, you know, like I said on this list, 18 schools turn a profit, 18, you know, one of them, like 98% of it was a donation from Phil fucking Knight, <laughs> you know, and in the case of the University of Kentucky, who turned $192,000 profit, you know, that's like enough to buy sneakers and cleats for the basketball and football team for one season, you yeah. know? So where's all this fucking money? Like, where's it going? You know, you especially considering at, at all the jersey sales, where does that go? Goes to the school, right? All the shit you buy. Like when I went to the horseshoe to see the Buckeyes, the one time I've been to the shoe, mm -hmm. um, you know, I bought like a long sleeve shirt, you know, a bunch of like, I think uh, in some Ohio State shades that cost me like fucking 70 bucks. Yep. You know, of course, the long sleeve shirt was had a big swoosh on it. Nike, mm -hmm. you know, um, that's all take that's all profit that goes to the university or revenue that goes to university, you know. So it's just ridiculous that we have, like you said, we have four state schools, land grant schools, research mm -hmm. institutions. Um, HBCUs, we have literally, we're forcing them as, you know, institutions of higher learning, whose primary mission, and dude, you've seen it, our primary mission is to educate students and, and give them the skills to compete in, in the world, blah, 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 right? 
But honestly, with with the way college sports is now, especially football and basketball, schools are essentially just incubators for those two sports. Right. That's it. That's it. You know, and we're we're really starting to see the issues uh, kind of coming to a head now where you're seeing staff like faculty uh, having tenure completely eliminated. Hello, Florida. Yes. Yes. And then and then they bring in adjuncts that have to essentially after 364 days reapply for the job that they that don't get benefits. Our again, friend of show, my good friend in real life is an adjunct professor. You don't get benefits. It's it's no. not a, it's not the job that people think it is. I want to read this to you. Maybe you read this. This is from bestcolleges.com. It's not just schools and conferences involved in money grabs. Thanks to name, image, and likeness, NIL, uh, opportunities, players now have a financial stake in the game. The transfer portal has enabled athletes to switch teams without penalty in search of bigger and better NIL deals. Some players stand to make millions. But again, that's not enough. Ultimately, it seems players will be played directly as employees. Last spring, the National Labor Relations Board filed a complaint against USC, the Pac-12, and the NCAA, claiming players should be classified as employees, not student athletes. Around the same time, the NCAA asked a federal appeals court in Pennsylvania to reject a similar effort to secure employee status for athletes. Even within the Ivy League, famous for its emphasis on the student side of the student athlete, the pursuit of employee status has gained traction as Dartmouth College basketball players seek to unionize. But where would the money come from? Only a relative handful of schools realize a profit, as Max has been talking about. After meeting all the expenses involved in running an intercollegiate sports program, coaches aren't about to give up their seven-figure salaries. What I think we might see Whenever you bring in corporate money, we saw this with the news in the 60s, where when you had the era of the good corporate citizen, we know news is the lost leader. We'll make our money with Jack Benny. I believe the CBS president said that years ago. Yeah. But at the time, you get big time multinational financial capital owning television stations. They're like, you guys got to turn a profit. And the way we view news is very, very different. And you start cutting things. There used to be documentaries that were really, really interesting. You could just give someone some money. Hey, I want to make a documentary about racism in the South. Okay, here's yeah. a button. Here's a camera. Go do it. We don't give a damn. Now, do you really think that big-time financial capital is going to invest money in women's soccer Rowing, uh, fencing, baseball. Hell no. You know what? I'm going to disagree with you. You want to know why? Why? Two companies. Mm-hmm. We work and Theranos. Okay. Dumped billions, private equity, fucking venture capitalists, dumped billions into those companies that had mm-hmm. no product. No. And saw no ability to turn a profit. None. But what were they? Tech companies. Not just tech companies. They were the flavors of like the year. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So let's say uh, L- women's basketball. Let's use women's basketball as a case in point. Perfect. LSU. Yep. Won their first national title last year. 
mm-hmm. thanks in large part to a young lady named Angel Reese, mm-hmm. who right now is kind of under the gun for other reasons, but mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. really taken advantage of NIL. Like she was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. She mm-hmm. was in a fucking music video, you know, like she's gotten herself out there. Mm-hmm. People will dump money into a program that have a woman like Angel Reese there because what are they? They're cool by association. They're name they're 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 adjacent to this person that's kind of like transformed a sport. And Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark did it during the tournament last year, especially when Angel Reese was sitting there pointing to her finger, you know, when Caitlin Clark was like dropping threes all over the place and she's continued into this season as well. She had a phenomenal game a couple days ago mm-hmm. you know but angel reese is very charismatic she's very out there right um you know like people want to be a part of that and before we go on dr call like there's no paradigm to change with we work they were fucking landlords that didn't want to be landlords and adam newman well, well there were disruptors right let's let's not let, i don't want to that yeah they were just disruptors right market disruptors i get why you give market disruptors money because you want to be like uber and take over the public sphere and uber has never turned a profit no but they're a tech company that's different you can you cannot turn a profit as a tech company and still make money in the market but see, uh, again, that goes back to the point i was making people will yeah. continue to dump money into something that's just losing money because you can make you're making money somewhere. You're just not making money where regular people think you're making money. It, it, but I want to I want to I want to raise you this because this is a fun back and forth. I understand what you're saying. And you're talking about one of the big sports. I'm not talking about one of the big sports. I'm saying because I can see big venture capitalist money going. We can me to this. We can I'm with her this for, yep. for female sports. And we can create um, a little industry here for female sports, right? Uh, I see that. I understand that to a degree. We're still trying to do it with the WNBA. It's not working. College, I think, is a whole different beast and it's working better with college than the WNBA. Um, But the reality is I don't know if there's enough marketing in the world and I don't say this with pride, to turn women's sports and certain quote-unquote rich people's sports that you talked about, because I agree with you, you can you turn uh, lacrosse into something that people really come to see or that you can televise and make interesting? Hockey is still suffering in the United States as far as viewership. Baseball is suffering as far as viewership so you have these two main sports that are your bookend sports that might allow you to keep some other things like hockey in places like the the rust belt and and the east where it's still a a big time thing people come out to see women's basketball i think will always be there because people will come out to see the women's final four that has a lot more to do with gambling i think the only way it can work for venture capital to come in and keep all sports is when you make all sports fun to gamble on. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. But I also think that there's going to be something that prohibits venture capital when they eventually do creep in. And I really think that they will. Um, is Title IX a federal mm-hmm. law? They can't they can't beat Title IX. Well, look, 
Macalicious, if there's one thing that this court would love to do. You're absolutely right. right? Yes. You know, the, we hey, we found the reason why Title IX doesn't work because it's not making dollars and it's not making sense. Yep. And that resonates with the American populace more than any complaints that you may have about yeah. sexism, racism, any ism you may have goes away when you use kind of the simple talk of dollars and cents. There's a reason why there's a libertarian president now in Argentina. Oh, and, and again, we don't say these things with any sort of like pride or joy. We're saying yeah. them actually very nihilistically. And that's where I look at this whole thing is something like, I, and I don't think it's going to happen right away. I think it's going to be slow. It's like, hey, we got to get rid of it. Maybe, I don't know how you can make it a club sport. Yeah, I mean, and that's it, that's the kicker, right? I would figure that rather than, <clears throat> excuse me, allowing that to happen, because, you know, like we were talking about before, academics will absolutely say sports are a loss leader. Um, and it actually goes against the mission of the universities, right? Um, why wouldn't we set up academies that the way the way they have in Europe, yeah. and and have athletes that show uh, a real ability in the sport to just go through the academy system? They meet their academic standards, you know, like you have to do. Um, but when you turn eighteen, uh, you go into you know like the the U17 club and then in the bit into the big club. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like that would link the gambling part of it, which is a huge part of sport now, whether we want it to be or not, it is, it absolutely is right. Like you got to think three years ago, Jason, we had what DraftKings and what was the other one? Uh, uh, Jesus. I know what you're talking about. I can't think of the name. Yeah, yeah. But you know, they eventually merged and became one company. Um, but ESPN has their own daily fantasy sports thing now. It's like ESPN best. And, and we have to – we talked about this privately. People that talk about sports through the lens of gambling and fantasy, they're talking about a whole different thing. And it's, it's, it's not the same sort of nuance, I believe, because now you're talking about people that are making or losing money. So everyone has an intrinsic value. Yes. So that's why you get these people that are so quick to call people trash. So-and-so is trash. They're over the hill. They're 25. They're yeah. trash. They didn't make it. This, well, because they didn't cover for you. So that means they're trash. So gambling is changing the way everybody sees sports. And it with football and fantasy, it's making it very easy for people that don't have a certain type of knowledge about the game. Like the Final Four starts that. Yeah. With 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 oh what let's get a bracket and just start putting team. This team has a cool name. I like that mascot. And now you watch the game, and it takes. It, there's a different emotion in it when you have a couple bucks on the line. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and, and when you see these upsets happen, now you want to be a part of it. There's a rush. There's a thrill. This is almost like going put twenty five on on a or you know put twenty five bucks on eleven to to win at the roulette. <laughs> yeah. And. I don't know if you can do that same thing with lacrosse, but if you can figure out how to do that, then that's what it's going. I hear 
gamblers talking about prop bets oh, for yeah. soccer matches that are leagues I've never heard of. And granted, mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest soccer person, but there's more people watching MLS soccer. And I and I lived with a family that was a, a massive soccer family than I can imagine in my lifetime watching soccer. And a lot of it has to do with the fan, not a lot of it, but there is something to be said about the fact that you can have prop bets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, look at, um, you know, whether we like to admit it or not, the EPL. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the third most watched league in this country now. And the latest game you're going to get is probably like a 10 or 11 o'clock kickoff. And you have to have Peacock to watch it. You know, so, but people are watching it. People want to see, you know, Manchester City, Manchester United, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, they want to see them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of that when you like, especially if you use like a VPN, like I, my particular club soccer team from Europe is Bohemian FC out of Dublin, right? I don't have an EPL team and I won't because uh, fuck the English. Um, <laughs> but I use a VPN and they're they're covered on Sky Sports, right? Mm-hmm. What do you commercial do you think you see most often during a soccer match oh, on Sky Sky well, Bets? Yeah, yeah, right? the, betting, the betting thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, so everything uh, is tied to gambling now. Whether, like I said, whether we like it or not, it's part. It's an intrinsic part of sport now. And like Doctor Claw said, gambling is mainstream now. And it, honestly, it's <laughs> only it's only a matter of time before every state legalizes sports gambling, right? And I mean, honestly, one of the biggest uh, stumbling blocks to that is Vegas and their lobbying arm uh, going state to state saying, don't do it because we're going to lose business. Right. Mm -hmm. Ohio just legalized it. North Carolina is looking at legalizing it. But for the reserve for the native uh, reservations where you can't do it in the state of North Carolina. But if a tribe has a casino. We can't stop you, Mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, it's it's only a matter of time, whether it's just an outright we're legalizing it across the board or they use some form of like indigenous gaming or, you know, in the case of like Atlantic City, like if you're in Jersey, you're placing your bets in Atlantic City with the sports books there. Right. But what has really driven this and let's be honest, it's been tech. Right. Like apps. Yes, like I could be sitting in North Carolina and place a bet through MGM Grand in Vegas, and it I'm not breaking the law, right? Because where's the book based out of? Yep, Las Vegas. Yep, you know, so you know, it's when I can do that with a push of a button, it, it's it's one of those very democratizing kind of things, right? It, and but I, this, okay, this let's 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 read on this article. Right, because we had a little pause here with the with the gambling thing. Damn. Uh, even within, the, I'll go back. Even within the Ivy League, it's emphasis on student athlete. Uh, the pursuit of employee status has gained traction, but where would the money come from? Only a relative handful of schools realize a profit after meeting all the expenses involved in running an intercollegiate sports programs. Coaches aren't going to give up their seven-figure salaries. Could players get a cut of ever-growing media contracts? Especially since their appearance on networks constitutes a form of NIL usage. That's certainly possible considering the revised college football playoff format promises to yield a media deal worth as much as $2 billion. Perhaps private equity 
is the answer after all. Here's a quote. Quote, it's all about revenue. B. David Ridpath, a professor of sports business at Ohio University and former college athletics executive, told Best Colleges. It's about winning. It's about being successful. And that's how it is with capitalism. So why wouldn't private equity work? And see, this is this is where I've been having discussions. You know, like I haven't been going out much uh, because I'm like, it's cuffing season. I'm trying to get cuffed, you know, so I'm like getting in the gym, trying to look good. But I went what out. Does that, mean? does that mean getting in a relationship? Just temporary through the winter. And then they kicked me to the curb in the spring, which is how I really want. <laughs> right. So. um, But, you know, the guy like a lot of the dudes I'm talking to, we'll get into like sports discussions, like you said, like we were talking about. And and especially when it comes down to that last part that you read, we're going to see private equity creep more into it, because what is struggling right now mm-hmm. as far as driving these TV deals? We're getting fewer and fewer things or organizations that are able to pay for these contracts. Yeah. Right. Uh, we saw Bally Sports just went tits up. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the local provider for like, I believe, 16 NBA teams and 15 MLB teams. Right. Like they, they went bankrupt. They stopped paying out to multiple teams, including the Padres. Right. Um, so as we have organizations like. ABC Disney, which are running at a massive loss right now. Bob Iger was brought back to try and cut, you know, expenditure. Uh, we see uh, Discovery Warner Brothers that are that are cutting things as well, you know, to mm-hmm. get their losses down. They're not going to be able to keep paying out billions of dollars to cover sports because ESPN right now has been hemorrhaging money for like 15 fucking years because rather than trying to keep up and and honest, I hate using this term, but innovate as we saw the explosion of like being able to watch my iPad or my phone or my laptop. You know, people start cutting cord, you know, cutting cords and getting rid of cable. They didn't keep up on it. No. Nope. Right? And let's face it, the ESPN app is shit. It's horrible. Absolute shit. Right. Yes. So they don't keep up. They're losing money hand over fist. And what sports do they have? Damn near all of them. Mm-hmm. So who's going to fall by the wayside? Because eventually somebody will. We saw it with hockey, right? Mm-hmm. When they lost that ESPN contract, they meandered between NBC, TNT, TBS, you know, the the, the former mm-hmm. Time Warner cable companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're kind of spread out as far as their TV deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, MLS uh, has a split deal where they're covered by Apple TV Plus and ESPN. Mm-hmm. You know, like the only person that's really going to make or the only or company, I should say, that's going to make uh, a big push into sports is Apple because they have more cash than the federal government on hand. That's cash. That's not even access to loans or anything. So, um, you know, it's we, we could see, uh, you know, honestly, after these current TV deals are over, like we might see. Who fucking knows? Apple might put in the big bid to get the new playoff when their contract's up. And then you're going to see a huge influx of Apple TV Plus subscribers. And at that point, honestly, you'll probably see the price go up. Well, let me let me I want to continue to read from this. And again, I think Mac already read this article. The key question is, why wouldn't it work? The question being, why wouldn't private equity work? 
For starters, universities operate as nonprofits, meaning they don't exist to provide a public benefit, not to turn a profit, although they might realize assets. They don't distribute dividends to shareholders and investors. Some auxiliary functions, however, such as the bookstore and dining services, can be outsourced for for-profit companies. But most university operations, including athletics, fall under the umbrella of nonprofit. Private equity, of course, functions to generate profits for investors. Firms invest in privately held companies with the goal of making companies more profitable, right? Constant growth. Something has to give. In Florida State's case, the exact nature of the relationship between the university, its athletic department, and private investors remains undetermined. But the Sportico reported the university may consider a structure whereby commercial rights are rolled into a new company which private equity funds are invested. The return on that investment would come from future media and sponsorship revenue. That, quote, new company would have to operate as a for-profit enterprise that's somehow related to the university and its athletics department, yet separate. Despite the arm's length arrangement, such a move would send clear signals about where college sports are headed. Quote, I always try to assess whether a proposal would likely move a department, conference, or organization closer to being an educational entity or a commercial entity, Welch Suggs, an associate professor of journalism at the University of Georgia and a former associate director for the Knight Commission on Intercollegiate Athletics, told Best Colleges in an email. It seems pretty clear that venture capital taking an equity position in athletics would be a move towards commercialization that raises a whole host of concerns Sug continued the most important of which is whether athletes are employees of that business another concern depending on the nature of the university's relationship with the for-profit sports enterprise is taxes a major benefit nonprofits enjoy is freedom from income and property taxes mm -hmm. unlike professional sports franchises universities don't pay taxes on the income generated from their teams, including media contracts. Consider the potential property taxes on a massive stadium, such as Ohio State's. Mm -hmm. If the university's athletics department, or say, just its football program, became for-profit, it theoretically would have to pay property taxes for that footprint. Ridpath suggested an alternative scheme that assumes the university maintains ownership of the stadium and essentially leases it yeah. to the athletics department. My guess is that if Ohio State becomes an athletic corporation as an auxiliary of the university, they would pay the university for the use of those facilities. They would pay quite a hefty fee, I would imagine, probably in the millions. That certainly could be used to support other sports. Income taxes could be another matter, depending on state laws. For-profit athletic organizations may have to pay income tax on revenue. Naturally, that would cut into potential profits. Florida doesn't impose an income tax, making Florida State that much more attractive to private investors. Some argue revenue generated by athletics departments as they currently exist, given their commercial purpose, should be deemed unrelated business income and therefore be taxable. Quote, if the student athlete and educational purpose requirements do not hold up 
as originally intended when the regulations were written, lawmakers should consider modifying the laws to tax educational institutions on revenue earned by their athletic programs, unquote, wrote by Mitchell Franklin and Ronald Zullo in tax notes. The newly commercialized traits of athletic programs combined with NIL recruitment efforts to show that the unrelated business taxable income rules may be a better fit for schools than not-for-profit status. Philanthropy could also become a concern. Donors derive tax benefits from their contributions because of the university's tax exempt status. Ohio State's athletic division ranked in almost $63 million last year in private donations. Mm-hmm. A for-profit sports program wouldn't offer that same tax benefit. Instead, universities perhaps would maintain separate institutionally related foundations such as Ohio states to promote philanthropy, raise funds and manage donor contributions. Certainly universities risk alienating donors who might no longer support a for-profit enterprise, even under this sort of arrangement, but they might discover even greater financial potential through private investments as the trade-off. And there's the matter of the investors themselves. Certain groups or individuals might spark controversy, especially considering more than 80% of Power 5 universities, as Max said earlier, are public entities. The recent public backlash against Saudi investors in LIV Golf a private corporation, serves as a cautionary tale. I can see a whole host of problems when the public finds out who is in these private equity uh, Mm -hmm. groups. Karen Weaver, academic director of the Collegiate Athletics Certificate Program at the University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education, that's a long name, and a former college college athletics administrator told Best Colleges, I could see a real interest in a Power 5 school program for Saudi investors. And what kind of backlash might that create on campus? Is it worth it to accept this money? Unquote. Finally, what about the NCAA? Would a for-profit athletics organization be allowed to compete for championships under NCAA rules? Would these entities still be subject to recruiting guidelines and regulations such as Title IX? Who governs sports programs with investors presumably having a say in how these businesses are run? The the kicker in all this, right? And let's let's talk about the employee thing first. Mm-hmm. There's been a push to organize private schools, and you mm-hmm. notice that the lawsuits only dealt with private institutions, not public, mm-hmm. right? And you got to think. In 2016, Northwestern actually had a quarterback that went to the NLRB, yeah, to organize their football team. Mm-hmm. Again, private school, right? Now, that that NLRB completely ruled against them, you know. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, Obama's NLRB was honestly it was just the carryover from Bush one, uh, Clinton Bush two. Like, there wasn't a lot of change over there. There was a huge sea change when Trump became president because a lot of people left, and then when Biden got elected. It got fucking pretty rad. I will I will give him that. The NLRB now has been fucking very pro-worker, which I have been mm-hmm. like shocked to see. Right. Yeah. But private schools, I get it. I get the push to organize there. Public schools, almost fucking impossible. Even if, even if they do set up these 
like kind of slice it off, make it its own corporation that's affiliated with the university. Because where are a lot of these power schools at? Mm-hmm. Right to work states. Mm-hmm. Like I guarantee you, if say this, we'll use Ohio State as the example, as we have been, right? Mm-hmm. They set up their own like independent football company that's affiliated with the university. That way we have the Ohio State Buckeyes brought to you by Tostitos, right? <laughs> When you're sitting down for a Buckeyes game, yeah, grab your yeah. Tostitos salsa and your dips, mm-hmm. you know, and enjoy. Um, there's no fucking way in hell that the Ohio State Legislature will ever, re- you know, remove those right to work uh, laws. They fucking won't do it. Um, and then you're going to have a situation where a state like Ohio, who has a right to work, you know, function. And then we'll say, I can't use Florida because Florida is very right to work as well, very anti-union. Mm-hmm. But let's go Pennsylvania, right? Mm-hmm. We'll say Penn State organizes, and they collectively bargain a better rate for, you know, their independent, you know, their private football corporation, right? That is going to upset recruiting because, like, okay, I know Ohio State traditionally has been a better program. But I can make more money in Happy Valley, you know, just one state over, you know. Um, yeah, Florida doesn't have a state income tax. So I get some money, um, you know, I, I start getting paid, you know, at the, you know, the independent Florida football company. Um, I don't have to pay tax on that. And in addition, in addition to the tax thing, right, say this becomes a widespread thing. You play in Florida. So, yeah, your home games, you're not getting taxed, but your away games, you're paying tax in the state you played in. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it's going to involve a whole army of support people, um, you know, to make that happen. But honestly, I think when we look at the private investment fund, the Saudi PIF, right, that has invested in everything, like, there, Saudi investors, uh, own uh five epl teams right now five mm-hmm. or six i believe um and you have to understand the pif owns like six of the leagues in the saudi premier league so it's completely thrown the balance of that league off because the fi- the five or six teams that the pif owns one of those teams brought in ronaldo you know but like the team down the road that isn't is going to be at a very distinct disadvantage because the pif can continue dumping money into the teams that they own and get players like Ronaldo and things like, you know, these, these very well-known players to come out and rather than having a one or two o'clock kickoff, you know, they can't play games until after 9 PM because, you know, if you go out during the day in Saudi Arabia, you're going to fucking melt. You know? <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. You know? So like the Saudi government has made a very concerted effort to sports wash their horrible human rights abuses, their fucking, you know, horrible government. Um, they're trying to look better to the rest of the world. And they're also trying to diversify because they know, yeah, we're sitting on a ton of oil, but eventually that shit's going to run out. So we have to find another way to, to keep our country running. Um, so I can definitely see the Saudi PIF trying to get involved. But see, this is the United States. And what do we do better than anything else? America, right? Like we, we own it. So I can see more of your like venture capitalist firms here 
your private investment firms here, you know, like BlackRock, you know, the fucking giant fucking bugaboo in the finance world who owns stock and goddamn near everything that's that drives power on the planet. I can see them fucking throwing money down at like, you know, USC, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the big kind of tent pole programs, mm-hmm. um, you know. Fuck Stanford. I think they would probably go to Stanford first, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it, it terrifies me because I would rather see the universities just say, you know what, fuck it. Um, we'll, you know, set, we'll work with the state to set up the academy system. So kids that have that athletic ability have the chance to just go play sports. Right. And I, I, somebody in chat had mentioned, why do you have to study political science and like English to play football at 19? I agree with that. Right. Like school is not for everybody and that's okay. But if yeah. you've got, a, if you've got a kid who runs like a four two forty, or is a giant of a man and no one can beat him in one-on-one blocking drills, then let them just go play. I mean, the I idea the idea of the student athlete, we, we've talked about this with Coach Will, and, and I need to bring Coach Will back on the show. Um, the, the European model, there's like a class, there's like athlete class. There's like a, pe- a class of people, and we're seeing it, especially with basketball. And kind of look around the NFL. A lot of these kids have dads that played at high levels, if not in the pros. Mm-hmm. The Warriors whole starting five at one point in time, a couple years back, was all ex-players, kids. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we're talking about an, an athlete class. So we're, so that's what we're starting to see. And I see what you mean, Mac, about having these these academies where where, where people go um, to play sports that may not be the main sports. I want to read this part of the article, which is kind of frightening to me. In almost every conceivable way, college athletics, particularly football, is a business, just one currently enjoying the benefits of nonprofit status. Because I want us to understand the end goal, right? Becoming bona fide for-profit corporations complete with employees constitutes the next plausible, perhaps an exonerable step. Ridpath certainly entertains the possibility believing college athletics companies could one day be publicly traded in the stock market. Quote, the one thing I know about the business of college athletics is that they will tap into anything if it makes them money. Mm-hmm. That's said. And so private equity, I think, is a logical place to look. I mean, dude, what was the Packers' big thing? And what still is the Packers' big thing? You as a fan can own a share yeah. in the Packers. Yeah, It's the only team in the NFL that is still publicly held. And let's not act like Florida State fans wouldn't sell one of their kids to get the money <laughs> to own a share of Florida State. To own a couple can you shares imagine, of Florida State. Can you imagine the market that finance capital would create? Because we're over here talking about legalized gambling in every state, not gonna happen, yada yada yada. That's fine. What is legalized gambling in every state? The stock market. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Introducing an entire crowd of people, hundreds of millions of people, to the stock market. Oh, dude, can you imagine seeing TOSU on the ticker? Jesus. If that's the end goal, 
that's a sad day for education. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, the thing is, is we've you and I are old enough to have watched how rapidly college sports has changed. And honestly, that we talked about it before that happened in 1984 with the Board of Regents, Oklahoma v. NCAA, which mm-hmm. allowed conferences and schools to negotiate their own TV contracts. Mm-hmm. Right. That changed everything. That was the first big floodgate being lifted to allow money to just kind of flow into a school. And as we saw, you know, people, you know, rather than just having network TV, would get into cable. So that opened it up wider. Well, now we have Internet, you know, the Internet booms, you know, uh, and at that point we have this huge explosion of fantasy sports. And mm-hmm. then, you know, sports gambling grows and grows and grows and grows. Right. So it, even more money is keeps funneling into these schools. Um, you know, it's it's only a matter of time before these athletic departments become, you know, publicly held LLCs or, or whatever the proper, you know, like financial uh, uh definition you know that they could legally do that you know i'm not well versed on like i'm i'm learning a little bit like Mm -hmm. in my i I signed up for goodreads 325 books this year i've read 28 and like 10 of them were about like you know the financial collapse i learned what a spac was you know didn't Mm -hmm. think i'd ever know like want to know what that was but like one thing led me to another led me to another led me to another you know so i'm still learning like what the, the financial products are to where like how would a university spin off its athletic department into being a for-profit publicly held uh, entity that is still associated with an academic institution? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that will probably be the biggest hurdle in all this. How do we legally do this? Right. Um, to generate the most profit out of it. You know, because like, say you just spin it off and to like a special purpose uh, organization that that limits like the the revenue you can draw in and who can buy stock in it and who can invest into it. Well, that's the the, the NIL, right? Um, We're seeing schools. uh, What do they say here? Um, Kind of partnering with these corporations that that help these kids get. Uh, sponsorship deals so i think we're seeing the groundwork get laid with the nil i think what happened is that we were victims of a little bit of kayfabe with nil and i'll say that i'll say this is why because the way people were talking about nil from the purity of sports standpoint which was always bs right Mm -hmm. that's the same level of student athlete which is preposterous quite the misnomer really it's it's complicated because there there is an idea of a student athlete where you want to get the most out of your time in college and the most out of your playing a sport that may not take you to a quote-unquote next level it's just something that you enjoy doing and you're going to end it there and then go on to whatever your life is there's people that definitely went to college and played football at a high level that are doctors now yeah intro role right You are the epitome of the student athlete. Like how many people played sports and got into politics? Yeah. I mean, uh, intro Craig Krenzel is, uh, 
former quarterback for Ohio State, played a couple couple seasons for the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, uh, like a little rocket scientist. Like he puts shit into space. So right, there's there's there is there is a real student athlete. Like we can't act like that person doesn't exist, but we can't act like that person only exists. And we have to understand yeah. the whole for profit model. And I think the way the NIL was was thrown out there was going to be this war between the old way of the student athlete and, and how are these kids going to act when they start getting paid all this money. And now you have this thing called the transfer portal, which says, you know, Alabama can't keep the top eight quarterback recruits anymore because if that cat doesn't get playing time, he's going to go to school X and try to get a bit yeah. bigger, better NIL deal. Well, I mean, look, here, look, this is what Dion. killed me about NIL, Jason, is the fact mm-hmm. that when it happened and the NCAA freaked out, right? They changed tune after a year or two because they're like, whoa, wait, kids will get paid and we don't have to do it. Right? And we can figure out how to siphon some money off. Yeah. And then, because remember when, when this shit was happening, this was when we started seeing private school, like players at private schools, like we want to organize, we want to form a union. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's when you had politicians, Gavin Newsom, case in point, the University of California system has to start looking at these student athletes as employees and they need to be paid. He was the guy who was really beating that drum. And then NIL thing passes and all that talk kind of kind of went away. And the NCAA I don't is think like, they, but this thing, I don't think they mind paying them as employees in at like you said, in these at work at will states. Cause it's like we now we really don't give a damn about your broken leg. We don't give a yeah. damn about scoring ACL. We don't give a damn about anything. Um, considering the recent directions of intercollegiate athletics with multi-billion-dollar media contracts, the commercialization of the student-athletes through NIL, and the strong potential of athletes being paid as employees through collective bargaining, it's not difficult to imagine an environment in which private equity infiltrates this lucrative market. NIL, to me, sets the groundwork. Because now these players, if they had a mild allegiance to a school or a coach, F it, it's out the window. Yeah. It's who can get me the most NIL money, right? Now, I the kids already understand themselves. I'm working on a piece for damage. Hopefully, I can get it done this weekend. And we're talking about young people and steroids. And I'm coming at it from the standpoint of, there's a generation of people that no longer just accept ads as view as viewing like ads or entertainment. That's kind of the millennials like ads or entertainment. We don't mm-hmm. mind watching influencers. Now you have zoomers that are like, we are the billboard. We are walking billboards. So where we used to have always be closing, where you were closing deals. There was an end goal to what you were trying to sell. Now it's, I'm always selling. Yeah. These young people understand I'm brand X. I'm constantly selling myself. I don't see too many kids. I mean, it still happens. It's college. It's college. But you don't see too many kids doing things that were getting them in trouble a long time ago. There's not as much. I mean, again, the bad things still happen on the college campus. But when you're always selling brand you, you've already commercialized your existence. You're the fact that you breathe air. 
Yeah. And it's not and it doesn't always have to be for for major dollars. These athletes are able to get major dollars. But they're again, they're part of a generation of people that like they're going to sell themselves anyway just to sell themselves. There's kids taking steroids right now, Mac, not to be the best player on a team, not to be IBB pros, but to be able to get 225 up on a bench. Yeah. And they're, they're 14, 15 years old. That's frightening. Yeah. And it, the thing is, it's especially considering what steroids does to your body when it's fully formed. Now, when you're introducing it to a system that is still undergoing growth and development, like, dude, it, for nothing. I, yeah. You know, and, and like, that's the thing, like, especially, you know, going back to like when you're selling yourself, right. Um, the Cavender twins, right. Mm-hmm. Case in point, I don't know if you saw, but Haley Cavender, mm-hmm. um, the one that actually like had a really good tournament, not like Hannah, everybody gives her shit. Cause she only averaged like three points a game last season. She mm-hmm. decided she wasn't going to go back and play. Well, mm-hmm. Haley Cavender, is going to play for TCU next year. Um, she finished up her studies at University of Miami, so she's now technically a grad student. So she still has a free transfer because she graduated, her, you know, with her undergrad. So she's going to play at TCU next year. Mm-hmm. Those girls just started an energy drink, um, and Jesus. you know, yeah. Um, they're working on start like uh, Hannah, the one that's not going to play. She is currently in the works to kind of be the front person for a clothing line. Right. Like they've turned dancing on TikTok in the locker room into essentially like a two a two woman brand, um, and they constantly are hawking it. And like I, I get it, I understand it. Um, you know, we've commodified everything mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, you like to write, you know, and mm-hmm. we we're, we we like to do this. You we're, we're sitting here talking sports and we're trying to to boost numbers to your channel. Right. And I love it because I get to hang out with you for however many hours when we do it. Mm-hmm. But like, I'd rather do this over a fucking beer with like. Yeah. With a claw, of course you're there. Bring the barbecue, right? Um, and and a nice singing white woman. Yeah, bring bring the short, nice singing white woman. Um, but I'd rather have all of us just like sitting out and chilling yeah. out. But we've commodified everything. You everything. can't have hobbies anymore. No. Right. I follow a dude on TikTok, Jason, who is 53 mm-hmm. years old, and mm-hmm. his tag is Fortnite Dad, and he streams himself playing Fortnite, and he's not any good, <laughs> right? But people love him. He's got like 30,000 subscribers and he retired because he makes enough money being bad at Fortnite. Right. And it's just like, why have we like for me, that is the epitome of late stage capitalism. We don't have enough decent jobs. We don't have enough coverage as far as healthcare or uh, even like vehicle insurance or any of that. We've literally had to commodify our hobbies just to fucking survive or is it the only way we know how to see the world can we see the world back to the capitalist realism can we see a world where we actually have hobbies i remember having friends that just hey i made jewelry i made you some jewelry i made a ring 
right? Oh, now thanks for, my, thanks for my friendship bracelet. Right, right. Remember that? Now they're on Etsy. Yeah. So it, I do see people that have hobbies, and they tend to have very nice lives. Right, and I'm not. This is not a knock on my. I have a few friends, you know, that have some all right lives, and I'm nice people. They're not. They're not horrible cats, but when you have time to learn how to make and design super high end cakes, and you just make them to make them, like there's no big like you. You don't have to sell them because you're in a relationship where your your partner makes a ridiculous amount of money. You can have a hobby. Yeah. You can have you get you have time to be the world's greatest parent, right? Um, your kids can now have hobbies. But there there's something about being under the gun. That's why I don't like I don't necessarily like to use the term late stage capitalism because I feel like that makes people think like, oh, this is a different form. Like, no, this is just the way the system operates yeah. when you live in a certain position and there is no work. Everything that you might have had as a hobby when you were younger, when you didn't realize your place in the workspace because you weren't there yet. Now, all these things that were considered fun have to be considered uh, money making opportunities. There's a reason why gambling is resonating with people so much. It's because it is a way out of your situation because you really see no other way out. Yeah, this I is mean, just what it is. It's just like when those when like the Powerball hits mm. a billion dollars. Mm. I had a buddy spend four hundred dollars on tickets. Mm. I'm like, dude, how are you gonna make rent? Hope. Yeah. <laughs> Hope. But but look, even with Powerball and gambling, you're seeing people say, I I'm hoping that this thing hits. And I'm out of my bad situation because I can't work my way out of it. I'm not going to get raises annually that are going to put me in a position to work my way out of it. I just can't get out of it. Yep. And But what we're seeing with these young people in steroids, it's kind of antithetical to normal drug use. These aren't alienated people that don't have social networks. These are people sometimes with a lot going on. And they're willing to take that risk. And you go, for what? There are no stakes. Yeah, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Oof. Oof. Maybe that's the title of the piece. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not. Um, like, uh, you know, I played football in Northeast Ohio. Small school, but football's religion there, man. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say the kid's name. Well, the dude's name, I should say. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was already tall, great shape. Uh, started using the summer between sophomore, junior year. And keep on, I played in a wing T offense, played tight end, mm-hmm. right? We knew if a ball was going to get thrown like one of five times in the game. Uh, three of them are going to go his way. You know, he was over six feet tall. Um, I had good hands, but like he came back just ripped, dude. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fucking ripped. Well, we graduate. I go into the army. Um, he waited two years and then tried to join but because he was dumping steroids into a still developing body uh i don't know what the medical term is but essentially his testicles disappeared (gasps) right (sighs) so because of the absence of testicles his body 
showed that it couldn't naturally reproduce enough testosterone. Um, just things were fucked up and they wouldn't let him in. Right. Mm -hmm. So dude ends up going to like sell cars at a local dealership because his like uncle owned it or some shit. But uh, I went back home on leave one year mm -hmm. and my dude just like steroids is one of those things. If you don't use them properly, yes, you're going to fuck up your entire body forever. Mm -hmm. Like there's no coming back from it. Um, and he did absolutely fucked up his body. Dumps in too much testosterone, doesn't balance it out with estrogen. Uh, estrogen. Uh, so his body immediately starts producing estrogen. Well, he's not taking steroids anymore. So he gets bitch tits. I was going to say he's got man boobs. Yeah. Mm. You know, um, you know, his, it affected like how his voice sounded, you know, like he just, he fucked himself up forever. And for what? A high school football team that had only put like two kids in a college program in the last like 15 years. Mm -hmm. Like, bro, it's again, the juice is not worth a squeeze on that, man. Like, what do you do, Mac? What do you do? We're, again, I, I think this all falls in line with the commodification of college athletics. What do you do when you have, because I think it falls in line with the commodification of the self, the self as product. Sorry, I'm in my Frankfurt school hat. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do when you have a 15 year old kid that's, you know, 85 pounds and they go, I can't bench press 100 pounds. They go on TikTok or Instagram, most likely TikTok, and they mm -hmm. say, I'm going to do a cycle of trend. Trend it all. Wow. You're going to do a cycle of trend? Where the F did you get trend? And you're you know, 14 years old. Well, yeah. you went online and got it. Or if you live in California, you drove across the border and got it, right? I can go get it right now down the street at one of my at least 15, 24-hour pharmacies that are within two miles of my home. Yeah. So let's say you get your your stuff online. You start your cycle. You you had to watch a YouTube video on how to even attempt to try to do it, right? And cross your fingers you don't get horrible acne. Yeah. Let's just say you don't get any of the really 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 negative side effects right away. You do a cycle and you document yourself doing a cycle. And your one thing about sports or not sports but lifting is, as you know, as someone that's back in the gym. After you're done and you see that pump, you're like, I'm going to look like this in a few months. This is going to be my resting body in a few months when you see that pump, right? You can see results. As my friend Bert Cooper told me the other day, he goes, I can read a book. I can't see myself get smarter. But when I go hit the weights, yeah. <laughs> I see the difference. So this kid is throwing up not 100 pounds. He's throwing up 135. I think he's 15, 16 years old. This is a real kid. He ends his TikTok video going, I finished the cycle. If you want me to do another cycle, leave a comment. He doesn't play sports. He's not trying to play sports. He just did this thing on the internet, and now he went from nobody watching him to he had a, over 100,000 followers by the time he finishes that cycle. You think he's not going to do another cycle? Yeah, absolutely. It's like that really bad movie with Emma Roberts um, where she got like dares like on your phone or something. It was a horrible flick, man. But, you know, I watch a lot of bad fucking movies. So do you. What am I talking about? Exactly. Um, But like I think it was called like Dare or something like that. Okay. 
Um, but it's it's just like, you know, kind of like that uh, social media connectedness where people think likes are like super important. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't give a shit what people I don't know think about me. Like, I, I don't care, you know? Uh, like I told you, I wear, you know, I wear Chuck's jeans. I, my wallet's on a chain, you know, like, I don't, I don't give a fuck, man. I don't. Uh, I wear a bunch of communist shirts in the fucking South. I get dirty looks all the time. I don't give a shit, right? Um, but I think a lot of, um, a, a, a lot of that comes from, even though the internet was this great, like, you know, connecting tissue for everybody Mm -hmm. it also led to a lot of isolation uh from like people in your community Mm -hmm. so now it's like i gotta get a like from somebody in you know turkmenistan uh to kind of like be my you know my social interaction rather than going out uh i mean even as a kid like like going out and hanging out with other kids and doing whatever fucking but but here's here's the difference to me between someone our age and a younger person and this isn't to say one is better than the other. This is just a difference. I am. We're better. <laughs> we have physical social networks. So how many of us are age of 46? Mac is 42. Mm-hmm. You know, how many people watching right now? I'm assuming that's the old guy show watching right now are hitting the gym because you went to the doctor and found out you were pre-diabetic or you have high blood pressure or there's some situation that's making you go, I need to get in better shape yeah. because I can't eat the way I've been eating. So now your diet's changing, blah, 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 blah. If you go on a fitness journey, you don't probably document it. Maybe you do, maybe you don't because A, you have a social network. You probably have you know girlfriends, boyfriends, uh, wives, children. There's just groups of people that you're around that you can interact with in a way that this generation isn't because they are so online online for them is it it just is it was always there there was no mall there was no town square where they all met had to figure out where people were it was here's an ipad as soon as you can you know your eyes open up and and here is the the internet and you know watch this while we all work our jobs and, and stick you with different people while we work ourselves to death and, and can't be decent parents so um there's there's a there's a difference between these two generations and the way they connect and we also kind of know how to talk to a romantic partner in a way that these young people are told they can't right how many videos do they watch a day especially we're talking about like young men where don't approach a woman at the bar because like I'm just at the bar trying to you know mind my own business. Don't approach anybody at the gym. I'm just at the gym minding my own business. And da, 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 da. You can get wins. You can get you know figurative wins with your fitness journey, and now you have people that you don't know, hundreds of thousands, telling you how wonderful you are, and you and I don't have to care about that because at the end of the day, 
we're going to go see real people tomorrow. I'm going to go hang out with my real friend. We're going to go to real Tijuana and have real fun. Right. And by real fun, donkey show. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to the red light district, (laughs) but no, but, but seriously, right. You're going to tomorrow, you're going to see your children. You're going to see your friends. You're going to interact with, with people in your social network. And the internet isn't a certain part of your life where the the make-believe, not make-believe people, but the people that you'll never really see in real life mean something to you. Everybody has a social media account, has followers that isn't in their direct sphere of influence. Yeah. So, again, it's a little different for, for younger people. And I'm, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around this this whole piece because what's baffling for me is the the no stakes of it all like again you're not doing this to make a team you're just doing this because it's like oh man my calves are too small yeah i mean and but that, doesn't that go to kind of like i guess for the lack of a better term like beauty standard right mm-hmm. like women are supposed to be like glammed up all the time have a mm-hmm. tiny waist a fat ass you mm-hmm. know big breasts sure and and like dudes, you know, what is our measuring stick? Chris Hemsworth and Thor. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I got an APEC mm-hmm. and, you know, just fucking ripped from head to toe. Mm-hmm. Right. And like a lot of my buddies that I was in the army with, like we lifted like crazy. Right. One, we were in the infantry. We got to carry weight. So it behooves us to fucking put muscle on. Right. But, like, I was never under the impression I was ever going to have a six-pack. Why? I can't afford to eat that clean to get a six-pack. Right? Mm -hmm. Two, I'm doing basic lifts that I've been doing since high school. Right? I don't have the money to pay for the trainer or the facilities Mm -hmm. to do some of the dynamic workouts that are required to get that cut. Right? Three. I have this thing called a job in the United States military, (laughs) right? I can't eat eight meals a day. I might get lucky if I have two. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm not Chris Hemsworth who signed, I signed my name on this deal to do this movie. Mm -hmm. But for the first three months of that, I am just in the gym. This is what I do. This is, and and you have a doctor prescribing your gear. Yeah. You know, like, I, we don't make that kind of money and guys be like, no, if we just do this, no, no, right. You will be in phenomenal shape, but you're not going to look like that. Like we just don't have the ability to do so, but see, that's the thing. That's, that's the standard that is set, right? Like I'm built like a fucking trash can. I just want traps. I want to be wide and I'm always going to have like my. Uh, half the Bjornsson, you know, the mountain from Game of Thrones before he lost all that weight, right? I'm just going to look, I'm going to have a little belly there. And I'm mm-hmm. all right with that shit. Mm-hmm. When I decide to do World's Strongest Man, I'm going to have a little shelf to put the fucking balls on as I struggle <laughs> to get them up on the, on the kegs, right? Like, I'm good with that, Yeah. you know? But like, you know, we, it just, it comes down to being, uh, cognizant of of what you're able to do and like it kills me that you're watching this kid 
on on TikTok or Instagram or whatever social media he's on or whatever videos he's putting up that at 14, 15 years old, rather than, you know, eating the best you can, you know, like sticking to chicken, stuff like that. Oh, dude. Yeah, Robert. Yeah. Liver King. Yeah. I just eat meat all the time and I'm all natural. Yeah. yeah. He had, he had ab implants. Yeah. Right. Um, the BBL for men. Um, but rather than like eating the best you can and, and just putting in the work, you know, like, dude, I had two back surgeries. I got way out of shape and I know it took me four years to get to the point I'm at now. It's going to probably take four years mm-hmm. to get to where I was and maybe even a little longer. Cause you know, I am in my forties and yeah. the metabolism's just like, you know what, Mac, I'm not burning anything today. <laughs> oh, thanks metabolism one holiday it's my day off metabolism's in the union uh, <laughs> i'm in meta i'm in metabolism abiza right now okay like i don't have time to burn all the shit you put in your body you know so like and it, it's it's just i what i i can only imagine that kid mm-hmm. you know he's not comfortable with who he is Right. And that's why he's willing to take a risk to put this shit in his body that could potentially fuck him up for the rest of his life. They don't care. They don't care about two things. They don't care that the Internet's forever, which I find fascinating. And they don't care about the long term effects. I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, I've noticed that because, you know, going to college as an older dude. Mm -hmm. My first year there, I made a friend and she was kind of like that. Like she was a swimmer for the school balls out. Like she didn't juice or anything. She just, she burned her candle at both ends. Mm-hmm. Right. Come junior year though. She was just done. Like she realized like, I like she quit swimming uh, and she was part of a championship winning team. Right. Like went to go compete in national championships at D2, but she was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like what's expected of me as the, as the student athlete. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. for what my rewards are going to be. She's like, I'm never going to the Olympics. I'm not going to be part of a national team. She's like, I'm a good swimmer for where I'm at now, mm-hmm. but I, it's not, I'm not going to go anywhere with it. So she kind of refocused and went all into academics mm-hmm. and graduated uh, with a double major. And now she's in grad school, mm-hmm. you know, up in DC and she's doing phenomenal, mm-hmm. you know, and it may be, you know, and I, especially with my organizing too, you see a lot of younger people like really advocate for like the real armed stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, guys, I'm not above that. I I lived that life for 16 years. I can do it, but that shouldn't be the go-to. You have to think long-term about this. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't, you've never seen what a bullet and a bomb and these things do to people. Right. Mm. And after organizing with a few of them for a couple of years, they're kind of like, well, you know, maybe I was a bit hasty <laughs> thinking that way. Right. Yeah. So like it comes around, but like, like you said, when you're 14, 15 years old, you're not looking no. that far down the road, you know? And that's what terrifies me as the father of a 14 year old girl mm-hmm. who's got a fucking phone in her hand. Mm-hmm. Right. And I said, kid, uh, any partner of interest mm-hmm. uh, starts asking you to send nudes, uh, you tell them to fuck themselves. And absolutely not. I was like, because that picture 
will not go away. Mm -hmm. Whether or not the the person receiving it puts it out there, it's still digitally out there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, kid, it could pop up from anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was like, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for anybody. I don't care if it's a kid I hate. I don't want them to have to deal with having a picture like that being circulated in a friend group or passed around on the, like, I don't want that for anybody, you know? And I wish, I wish that again, you know, like I was, we were 14 or 15. We didn't think that far down the road, mm-hmm. but like, I wish these kids would realize, like you said, the internet, it's shit on the internet. Don't go away, Mm-mm. you know? And, and when you send those pictures, they're not going away either. And, you know, how many times have we seen just perusing the news of people, you know, being busted for revenge porn as they pass around a picture yep. of an ex-girlfriend? Yep. You know, like when women I'm dating are like, do you want, you know, hey, do you want me to send you nude? I'm like, absolutely not. No, no, no. please don't. I was like, please don't. I want you not. To, yeah, you can come by here and be nude, but yeah. I, I mean, that's what I always tell them. I'm like, I'd rather see you up and up close yeah. and personal. But don't send me shit. Yeah, don't do that. I, I do. Look, we've been going on for three and a half hours almost. It's late where you are. It's midnight where you are. Um, yeah, but it's all right. I, it's I, right I, though, man, because you know what? We need to do this more often and just like do a stupid long block where we like do the first hour, like talking about some serious shit like we did tonight. Uh-huh. And that's just go into more character creation. <laughs> and then we we bring Claw on, but we like mix his voice so we can't hear him. And he's just in on it too, you know. <laughs> I love the fact that Claw's life is now a TIR storyline. Oh, it's amazing. And it's just, it's just, you know. Can you woo 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 woo? <laughs> Can you woo woo woo? Oh man, Claw, dude. The thing is, we're gonna bump into you one day, and we're either gonna be like super happy or just like, oh man, really? You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to show you, um. This is what happens to MLK when he gets uh, reanimated. He uh, he goes to the gym. Oh no! And this is the first thing that he sees. He goes to the Planet Fitness. Oh no! Brother Jesse took me to a Planet Fitness in Atlanta. <laughs> I oh. didn't expect to see this many white women. Oh, so oh, she's got a headset on too. Oh, Jason. watch this! Watch this! I need you to watch this woman here in particular. Okay. Because she's fucking hilarious. Get looking good, got me scratching up his back. Oh, oh, get that boy snack. Lick the cat. Lick the cat. Lick the cat. <laughs> My God, brother Athanasi. <laughs> I don't think these sweatpants can contain what's inside of them. Oh my god, Jason, that, that woman you told me to watch, she's not Do you see? Do you see? There's no coordination in that woman at all. She's the best part. Jason, she's she's the stripper at the club that you go get a dance with, and then she's like, 
you're not getting a boner and it's like you've literally just been like <laughs> i think you're running in place right now i yeah. think you're a maniac man <laughs> dude you know where she came from that town in footloose uh, <laughs> there were no dancing was no allowed. dancing allowed and then she got out she's like wait what i've been wanting to do this my whole life Oh, man. I just want to learn how to drop it like it's hot. <laughs> Timothy, you're right, dude. She swears she's hot. She's like, oh, I know how to dance. Look at me. And you're just like. She got that whole outfit, and she was going to be looking so good on camera. And she got there, and then she got all scared. And she when the lights hit, she started running in place doing fast feet. Hot feet. Floor's, floor's hot lava. Floor's hot lava. I want to find out her name. And then we all just get like 200 bucks together and we're like, film yourself doing the Doug. <laughs> and that's how we get famous. And she's just like. <laughs> that's that, like that. That's the thing that blows up the show. It's not going to be like all the you know great interviews I've had with yeah. wonderful intellects. You know, you know, we have a video right now that's viral. Millions of views. Even Chapo talked about it the other day. And it is a clip I cut of Norm Finkelstein talking about gooning. How did you get Dr. Finkelstein to talk about gooning? gooning? Yes. Well, Mac, the only thing I'm good at <laughs> is being ridiculous. Oh, man. Dude, I it killed me. Uh, that clip he had when he was at Evergreen. And uh, oh, that, he yells at the girl. Yeah. Shut up. Shut up. Yep. And my buddy, I sent it to my buddy, right? Mm -hmm. Because he was one of those cats that are like, if you're, if 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 you are calling for a ceasefire, mm -hmm. you're anti-Semitic. And I'm like, dude, that's the most reductive shit I've ever heard. That's, that's pretty ignorant. Like, why would you say that? Yeah, I was like, if you think, I, I asked him, I was like, do you not think I think Jewish people have a right to live? and thrive and be who they are and he's like no i would never say it about you and i'm like well then i'm saying there needs to be a ceasefire am i anti-semitic and he was like well it's, it's an anti-semitic thing so i sent him that clip and he's like that guy's kind of ignorant i'm like did you not listen to what he said he's like well i just watched it i didn't turn the sound on and i was like watch it again with the sound on <laughs> right and he's like he texts me back like five minutes later He's like, I watched that thing like three times. I was like, yeah. I was like, so if a Jewish man mm -hmm. whose parents survive mm -hmm. death camps mm -hmm. and raised him to be empathetic mm -hmm. to the plight of Palestinians, surviving what they did, seeing what they saw, mm -hmm. if his parents can do that, then why are you so fucking special? That you think that saying we need to be empathetic to the Palestinians and say, you know what, you too have a right to live and thrive and be mm -hmm. who you are. Mm -hmm. How is how who why are why are you so special that you can say that's anti-Semitic? And he's like, fuck you, man. I hate when you're right. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Oh, see, well, that was a nice way to say it. you didn't have to call anybody a name and yeah. Oh, dude, I I've gotten I've gotten into too many discussions like that where i've been called a lot of names and i'm like dude hey man uh i just don't want to see children killed anymore 
because I've seen what these drones do mm-hmm. to kids, these, these bombs and these bullets. I've seen what they do to children. And I don't want to see that happen to any child. And the fact that we're watching it happen live mm-hmm. and we are watching our government continue to send more aid mm-hmm. and more military equipment mm-hmm. and continue to kind of really backpedal against providing humanitarian aid to, to Gazans. Um, the way we're seeing American media buy into these bullshit psyops that the Israeli government's doing, like with the aid boxes that you can tell are empty because they're just like really whipping them through <laughs> and they're and they're labeled in English rather than Hebrew or Arabic. Right. Um, you know, the, the the fucking nurse that they paid to be like, oh, I'm in Al-Shifa hospital. And and Hamas is here killing everybody. And they're everybody like literally within an hour, internet sleuths were like bullshit. Mm-hmm. Bullshit, you know, like, but we American media passes that around as fact. Like the fact that all this is happening while kids and people are dying while complying with the directives by the Israeli military. Get out of North Gaza, go to South Gaza. We're gonna raise North Gaza. They move south. Well, now we're moving into South Gaza, you know, like mm-hmm we are watching this happen and we still have people that don't give a shit. Yeah. We're talking about surplus populations. I was on the majority reports. They talk about surplus populations. We have surplus populations in this country. We just don't give a shit about. Oh yeah. And that's, that's the thing we, you know, we, this country is so, you know, I learned the hard way when i went to afghanistan the first time you know the united states has this moral obligation to assist people and when you get there and you see that these people aren't exactly pro-taliban but they sure in the fuck don't want more foreigners there they just dealt with the soviets there for 10 years um and especially in the eastern and southern parts of the country, which are largely Pashtun, they don't want Uzbeks there. They don't want Tajiks there. They don't want Hazar there. They just want this. They want to farm their land without outsiders fucking with their lives. And when you see that, I'm just like, this isn't a moral obligation. This is a flex. And between the deals we have with DOE to, to monitor our nuclear arsenal, our defense budget is over a trillion dollars, a trillion. We have the largest military, the most powerful, the most technologically advanced. We're not defending anybody or anything. We're bullies. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we are. You know, and when you're serving and you realize that you get jaded real fucking quick. And the sad thing is I spent 16 years in, and that point for me was like year four, you know, but at that point I felt I had an obligation to young kids that were in service to train them the best I could so I can get them home so I can get them out, you know, um, you know, it's just, it's galling for me that we sit here, um, and it's the proverbial we, everybody. It's not, I don't think it's us per se. It's just the the royal we, so to speak, right? Like we as Americans sit here and just go along with this nonsense 
and how we have this moral high ground and this moral obligation to assist, you know, third world nations and all that bullshit. One, without understanding what the third world actually was in context of political science. And two, um, they don't realize the United States had a hand in ensuring that these countries remain poor. Mm -hmm. You know, and they put, you know, the aid with, with, you know, things attached to it. Like, yeah, you want this aid so you could feed your people? Well, then we want unfettered access to resources. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. They say, sure, we, but we have to feed people. And then when these companies move in, we have issues like we're seeing in Congo right now where lithium and cobalt are being mined by children mm -hmm. and no one gives a fuck. Mm -mm. You know, we have issues of in Bolivia, again, going back to lithium because, hey, we want to move into EVs. How do we make batteries? Lithium, mm -hmm. right? Tens of thousands of indigenous people in Bolivia were displaced because they lived on one of the largest uh, lithium deposits on the planet. And now, I don't know if you know this, Jason, mm -hmm. in Nevada, we have the largest lithium deposit on the planet that hasn't been mined at all. Mm -hmm. That they're trying to um, start excavating and getting into it. Mm -hmm. But for three indigenous nations, it's considered holy ground. Mm. So now it's in the courts. Well, that's why positions like Secretary of Interior are so important. And when you start looking up until Deb Holland, excuse me, people that have taken that position, and I don't know Holland's entire background, but um, they come from the finance sector, from the oil and, and gas industries, because you're, you're usually going to be dealing with a lot of like native land. You know, we talked about this Tuesday on the show with uh, with Greg Palace, which was a pre-recorded. Mm -hmm about the Osage nation and how the Coke industries uh, kind of make their money off uh, stealing oil uh, from the Osage Indians when all they had was stripper wells at the time, which were yep. produced less than, you know, a tile barrel. So um, it's, it's, it's a lot. And I'm sad that we have to end on a sad note. Um, hold on. We can't end on a sad note, Mac. No, no. You need to bring hold up on. the dancing girls again. Hold on. We uh, have to end on <laughs> We have to end on a good note. Hold on. End on a good note. Everybody just picture Claw bringing the barbecue with a short light life. <laughs> Can you woo, woo, woo? Picture Dr. King losing his shit over uh, a woman doing squats at Planet Fitness. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> wait, I'm trying to find out what we're gonna do. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine, like, oh, here, let's let's end with uh, stupid old people humor on the internet. Okay, I'm down, I'm down, stupid old people humor. Um, there's these people that do like practical jokes on the internet and sometimes they're not really harmful jokes. Um, you know, those kind of really shitty practical jokes for like a poor and gets made fun of or has to clean some bullshit up. This is kind of funny. This guy does this joke. You might've seen it where he, <laughs> do you do stupid shit like this? 
Mac? I don't. I don't okay, know. Hold on. Let's see if you do. I I don't. I live alone, so I can't do anything. So he put on his. Oh yeah, I've seen this. Okay, but okay. She hit him dead center of what she thought the ass was. So she was just trying to hit him in the asshole. She was just trying to hit him. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I, 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 Pogwash. Pogwash. Pogwash 2023. I love the I have a dream. And it's a wet one with pogs in it. I'm telling you, Jason, tomorrow morning we're going to wake up and it's just going to be like a big canceled stamp on your channel. <laughs> Dude, we've been, I've done some things in four years with this show that have made me go. <laughs> really? I'm really threading that needle. Just <laughs> living on the edge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Steven Tyler. The fact that. Oh, man. But I'm going to tell you right now, if I had a partner that aimed for my asshole, I wouldn't be happy about it, man. Like, don't get me wrong. I've gotten a little drunk and a little froggy where she went one knuckle deep and I was just like, oh. Right. Didn't really fight it. Didn't know how I felt about it. But I was willing to roll with it. I was kind of drunk, you know. But if she just constantly went after my butthole, I don't I'm not okay with that. You know, I'm just not okay with that. What? And I and I feel I felt that when she hit him, and like you heard it connect, and you just hear him, and then he hits the ground and coughs. Like I get it, I get it, right? <laughs> You're just like, oh god, he died. Like, you got the whole set. She, oh man, she got, got the Franks and the beans, man. That needs to be a sound drop. Franks and beans. <laughs> Get your hand off my penis! Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I see that you know your judo well. You need to get Franks and Beans on there. When your guest says something stupid, you just play it. <laughs> Franks and Beans! You're going to be like, what? Be like, it means you're dumb. <laughs> Try it again. Say something I don't else. know what happened with the board. It's just acting funny, sir. I could proceed. And I met our friend Pog Champ MLK. <laughs> I was speaking to Jordan Peterson, Frank Bass. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I was emailing Elon Musk, Frank Bass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God! Look, we have to go. Thank you guys <laughs> for hanging out with us. 
the, only, the, the only leftist sports <laughs> podcast on YouTube where you're going to see impersonations. You're going to see a very interesting in-depth conversation about something that no one's really talking about. I listen to a F ton of sports radio in my 24 hours of driving <laughs> up to do the live thing in the Bay Area. And I didn't hear anyone take on these topics. I heard people talk about Caleb Williams and painting his nails. I heard people talk about who the hell's a cancer in the locker room, but they don't know anything about. No. But dude, it's it's like that clip you showed me with Richard Sherman telling Skip to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I forgot to play that. I wish I totally forgot to play. That. I wish more athletes would do that when fucksticks like Skip Bayless try and put their two cents into something that happens on the field. Mm -hmm. Right? Because like Richard, like Sherman said, like he's like, I lived this. I did this. You just wrote about it. Mm. You know? And I I was like, that would be so, I was just like the happy tear just rolled down my face. Just like, And then Bon Jovi started playing It's my life. <laughs> it's now or never. Uh, when he had the Chris Jericho haircut. You know, when they both had it short. And <laughs> bon Jovi and Chris Jericho both look like angry women in a fucking Starbucks. Oh, God. They did, too. Can you imagine Bon Jovi and Fozzie on tour together? Oh. It would be a shit show. And I never it. liked. I never. Look, I don't want to keep talking. I never was a huge Bon Jovi fan, but I think one of Dead or Alive is a good song. I'll leave it at that. Well, yeah, it was in. A, it was in. Well, what the fuck was that movie? Uh, young Guns too. Young Guns, yeah. I'm a young gun. <laughs> fucking escape Bon Jovi. There was this moment in the 80s where Bon Jovi was like, New Jersey, bad medicine. Mm -hmm. Love is like bad medicine. And I just remember thinking, man, fuck this, dude. I remember thinking Poison's better. Yeah, that was my. I was like Molly Cruz way, but Molly Cruz could totally beat up Bon Jovi. Oh, dude, fuck yeah, man! Dude, dude, they could totally beat him in a fight of songs. Oh, Strom Bon Jovi makes me think of anime fans with poor personal hygiene. <laughs> I got your hand off my penis. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Oh, and on that note. I think that is our way of saying we have to leave. Yeah, that that's how you have to send us out from now on. Get your hands <laughs> off my penis! Get your hands off my penis! <laughs> so my neighbor can't hear you talking because I no longer have studio monitors on my desk. So he has to be wondering what the fuck I do for a living. <laughs> like all my windows are wide open. So he's going to be like, I don't know what this guy next door does. I think he does OnlyFans or something, but there's a lot of dick jokes coming out of his mouth. People are coming on his chest. On his chest. Someone's getting pummeled. I don't even know, oh, man. <laughs> he is fucking her into submission. All right. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't forget, tomorrow we're doing a call-in show. I It'll be live. I'm going to pay the phone bill. Well, not I the cell phone, but stop. You people are like looking at me like I'm a stereotype. I could be, but I at least paid my phone bill. But there's a bill we have to pay for the phone service. 
And that got used up the last time we had a phone show. So we're going to open up the phone lines. You guys get to yell at me about whatever you want to yell about. I don't care what it is. That's right. I don't join, care. Join Jason for the call in on Colonizer Day. Call episode. in on. I should have called it that. I just called it the Ask Jason Anything Part 2. <laughs> so call in on Colonizer Day. If you want to yell about Thanksgiving, if you want to yell <clears throat> on the phone, so your family can hear you and you can play it on TV because everybody's got YouTube on their TV. Like, oh, look, yeah. I called in about you, Uncle Frank. You fucking suck. And look, the internet agrees with me, Uncle Frank. You fucking suck. Do that tomorrow. I'll be here taking your calls, not watching football. Kind of sad. A little dead inside. But on that note, let's listen to one of my favorite songs. And it's available on Spotify. Peace.